Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, March the 18th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. I had too much Guinness yesterday. And uh, Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hola. So it's it's St. Patrick's Day while we record, so we have some beers out and drink. And drink. Cheers. I promise I've only had eight sips. Twelve. Yeah. Uh, Steve brought some Magic Hat number nine over. Uh, it's Pretty not good. the not quite pale ale. Not uh, quite. Yeah, but good. It's not up to the task. But very good. It's a it's a good beer. It's tasty. It's a good uh, yeah. domestic. Shouldn't it be like a golden ale, like leprechaun? Uh, Killian's uh, Irish uh, red. No, perhaps. you know you need an Irish. Ir- no, there's no golden Irish beer. I don't think. No, <laughs> they're all red and black. There is a new Guinness uh, American there, Golden Lager there is, or something. Yeah. yeah, if you've got some green food coloring, we can make it really gross. Yeah, we can, <laughs> we can be like every green. bar on Long Island yeah. today. Yeah. Can't eat green bagels. I got to tell you. Go have a. a uh, sh- I'm drinking tea. Go down to Napa's. Green tea, I hope. <laughs> Napa <No>. Sandies. <laughs> I'm drinking strawberry tea. Strawberry yeah. what? You're really not on strawberry theme tea. Here. Oh, tea. <laughs> okay. Tea. Hashtag yeah. change the drink. <laughs> Hashtag bite me. <laughs> it's just like our normal conversations on Twitter, Stephanie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Good times. <laughs> Bringing it to the podcast. Yep. This is so unusual. Yep. So nothing happened this week no. at Light all. Week. Uh, no. There are some weeks where we really have to dig for stuff to talk about. And then there are other weeks where we... Idiots get on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> where it seems news is just thrust upon us. Um, and sometimes where that news is serious news. And, uh, this is one of those weeks where there's some stuff that that went down. Um, really one thing that's pretty serious. Another thing that people got really serious over. That's kind of silly. Those are the, those are the two things that really big happen, both in the universe of the, in the, in the the DC orbit. Um, so we're definitely going to talk about that stuff as, as we go along. Um, but Stephanie, I have to know. How the hell is Dragon Age? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like I got I got an Xbox One last Sunday and I held off like setting it up for the entire week cuz I knew as soon as I set it up like it was game over for me. <laughs> uh productivity down the drain. <laughs> uh sure enough on Friday night I started playing and um, since Friday, and keep in mind, we're recording on Tuesday. I've now like clocked like over 40 hours <laughs> for like three days. That is so sad. I stayed up till 7 a.m. this morning playing. <laughs> like I saw the sunrise. 
<laughs> uh, and it's not getting better. It's just getting worse because there's more side quests to keep on unlocking things. Now, I'd say like I could assuage Skyrim your, all over again. <laughs> I could assuage your guilt, but I don't hear much guilt there. But you no. could you could write a guest review for Talking Games. <laughs> oh God, it's like I'm. I bought all these other games too. I got like um, because Xbox uh, Live or Gold rather. Um, had a bunch of deals. So I got like the deluxe edition of Dragon Age. I got um, Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah. And I got Shadow of Mordor. And uh, the Xbox one I got was the Assassin's Creed bundle. So it came with Black Flag and Unity. But like for all I know, those games don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> like everything is Dragon Age. And I spent probably like a good chunk of this morning, like <laughs> that, that chunk from like 10 p.m. till 7 a.m. <laughs> like seriously, I played for that long. Um, like trying to get the romances going. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, I just like settled for Blackwell because he was easy. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, Sunday. He, <laughs> he would just do anyone and uh, <laughs> be into it. So, yep. I am in, um, I was supposed to go over to my friend's place last night. I did not. <laughs> I did go downtown on the weekend. I went, like, I think I went downtown on Friday and Sunday. So, I mean, all things considered, I did leave the house. Um, I finally decided to shower today. So, I mean, it's, like, pretty good. Things are pretty good. <laughs> things sound great. Yep, they're good. Yep. Don't you feel bad for your yep. other games that you left behind just sitting there in the box? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I, like, I have... I finished a book, too, on the weekend. I was like, I'm not going to stay up. On Friday night, I stayed up till 4 a.m. playing. And on Saturday night, I, I was like, I am not staying up until 4 a.m. tonight playing Dragon Age. So I stayed up till 2 a.m. And then I was like, yeah, I cut myself off. <laughs> 2 a.m. because that's so much better. And uh, then I went and read in bed until 4 a.m. Uh, but I finished my book. So it, it was it was okay but i mean i was literate as well you know i wasn't just like uh destroying my brain with video games mm-hmm. so uh, last night i was like i'm gonna go to bed i'm gonna read in bed and then i just didn't go to sleep so I, that didn't happen <laughs> obviously <laughs> uh yeah but i mean i read some comics yesterday so like i'll have a couple things to talk about i'm glad you did the bare minimum possible to be ready for this podcast yeah, I mean, it wasn't that I was not trying to be prepared. It was kind of like the weekend melded into one day. And all of a sudden it was Tuesday and I was like, uh-oh, I haven't read anything. So, I mean, I didn't actively avoid uh, the the prep process. Mm-hmm. I just It just sort of snuck up on me. <laughs> like a ninja. Yeah, just like a ninja. All right. <laughs> Stephanie, story time over for right now. I'm guessing this is the week without notes. Yeah. You can't prove that. <laughs> well, I think we'll be able, there'll be plenty of evidence once you start talking about comics. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, you know, before we talk about comics, let's let's just tear the band-aid off and let's talk about the, the big news of the week. Um, so I was also going to go to bed at a reasonable time last night. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to read some comics, go to sleep. And then at, I guess it was about 9.30, 9 o'clock, uh, 
DC uh, released a press release saying that they had uh, pulled uh, the Batgirl cover at the request of Raphael Albuquerque, the artist. Um, So I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you know what the situation was. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, just to catch you up really quick, um, I believe it was number 41, I believe, was the cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was uh, the Batgirl Endgame tie-in, which is obviously the the Batman storyline going on right now. That's got Snyder's doing with the Joker. Um, The variant cover was done by Raphael Albuquerque. No stranger to anyone who is into comic books. American Vampire. Um, talked about his book, Eight, not that long ago uh, on the show. Um, he did a variant cover of Barbara uh, it basically being accosted by the Joker um, in his killing joke attire. Um, if you guys want to see the image, you can. I'm sure you can Google it and find it. It's very tough to describe it. Uh, uh, but if you imagine Raphael Albuquerque doing, a, uh, doing what he does... Uh, it, you know, it's it's a it's a very striking and scary image uh, of the character. Uh, there was uh, immediate outcry about it because of the what it evoked, uh, and we'll get into that. I want to kind of talk to Bob specifically about this, um, what it evoked, and uh, its kind of relationship to the the tone of the current Batgirl run. Um, so the first thing I want to ask, I'm going to direct this question to you, Bob. Sure. If you're someone out there who, you know saw this cover, saw it evoke the killing joke, you love the killing joke, and you just don't understand what, what it's all about. Like, why are people upset about the, the cover in the first place? What, what would you say to those people about? Well, really what it comes down to is one of those first moments where we could describe a character as being fridged. Okay. Barbara Gordon is there as a plot device. She's there to answer the door and get shot, crippled. There's an implied sexual assault Mm -hmm. which was apparently in the original script but then didn't get used and she's not in the story at all except a half a page in a hospital bed she's there to drive a story point home but is it was a major character now violated in almost every way you can possibly imagine and just left there for dead literally it was uh, it's an important story in the batman history and i get all that when looked upon, Steve and I, we did a book club about this. Yeah. As other opinions, when I saw it at the time as a fan of the character, I was appalled. I get why people love it, but if you look at it with modern eyes, with more sensitive eyes, there's something very major happening that could change your perception of the way that book should be looked at. And I'm not saying for people they should now hate the book. There's, there are great things about the story. That moment would probably not pass muster now. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it's important because, uh, you know, I think that, you know, there was a lot of debate that went on about it, right? And I think that people out there who love the killing joke, you know, this is not people saying there's something wrong with you because you Absolutely like reading not. the killing no. joke, right? Um, like you said, it, it, again, it's when it comes to the art itself, it, it's completely subjective about what you love and what you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing about it is that there is this aspect of the book that, in the scope of what happens to female characters in general, is 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 an, is an example of when they've done the worst to them, right? This example of completely making them it's abject, an object, They're objects, an object. yeah, objects. And this is what the I think the woman refrigerator thing is some, fridging is some uh, a term that we throw around, but I don't know. I, it's a very inside term, so I don't know okay. if people know what it means. It's it's Green Lantern, I think it's 54, uh, from 1999 is where this comes from, where Kyle Rayner's girlfriend is murdered and stuffed into his refrigerator. Mm-hmm. 
side character there to be an object, a plot device with no corresponding story value or character value or agency. Uh, Gail Simone started this website. She was at that point still a hairdresser, to my understanding, who liked comic books a lot and started compiling a list of all these terrible things that had happened. Now, some characters have made the list repeatedly. Mm -hmm. They've been multi-fridge, Carol Danvers being one of them. Where bad things continually happen to female characters, heroes, supporting characters in different ways than with the male characters. Yes, Captain America loses his powers. Batman doesn't be Batman. Superman has red kryptonite, gets an ant head or some other craziness. The status quo returns. Female characters seem to get fridged and either stay fridged or it's not, it's such a small part of the story itself that it's why did you have to do this? Mm except it shows perhaps an underlying unappreciation of what those characters could mean to a different audience. Right. And not everything should be written for every audience at every time. No, I'm not saying not. that, yeah. but there should be an understanding of a broader marketplace, a broader perspective. Right, absolutely. And it's also, I mean, to say nothing of, of the issues there, it's also bad storytelling to, to, yes. to do yeah. that at the face of it all. I, I absolutely I, I I see where you're coming from there, and and I'm, I'm glad that we talked about it because even I know what that word means. The actual origin of it is something that I never really mm-hmm. looked into. Yeah, no, she started a website. Gail Simone did. It was called Women in Refrigerators, and mm-hmm. people contributed to it. And it's still going on, though. It's in a different home than it once was. Mm-hmm. And it, at some level, it's important that that's still out there. That right. you, you can take a look at that archive and see what's gone on. And it continues to happen, mm-hmm. strangely enough. Yeah. It's happening less. There are changes for all the, as we will soon discuss, all the outrage that came upon this. What's good is that there was outrage. And in some places, our forums particularly, I'm so proud of all our folks over here, because I visited some of the other sites, and boy, <laughs> it's not like that everywhere else. There can be a measured, realistic discussion about some of this and hopefully everyone gets to see the other person's point of view without necessarily agreeing but with at least understanding somebody else's perspective right absolutely um stephanie uh you have been shockingly quiet on twitter about this issue (laughs) thank you dragon age (laughs) i've heard much more about breakfast from you in the last week than i have about yeah i know was it jeff that was like you spent 38 minutes tweeting about breakfast (laughs) Very important to me. And then I think you spent another 30 minutes at the night tweeting about dinner. Probably. Yes. So um, those important issues aside, uh, mm-hmm. what do you, how, how do you feel about the cover getting pulled? Did you think it should get pulled in the first place, Stephanie? Um, yes and no. I think that if it was making people really uncomfortable that, like, under the right circumstances, that, yes, it should be pulled. Especially since... Um, People just don't want to see that, like, part of Barbara's life played over and over and over again. Like, she's getting past that, and she's trying to be um, a different character that isn't dwelling on this horrific thing that happened to her. And DC just keeps on being like, psych, killing joke happened. (laughs) Um, And, like, it just makes it really hard for even us as fans to move past it when... Just DC won't let us. And, like, the killing joke, Alan Moore never intended for the killing joke to be canon. Um, He didn't think that this book was going to be in DC continuity. Uh, And DC was like, it's an Alan Moore book. 
Yay, continuity! Uh, and magically that happened. He thinks it's like one of the worst things that he's ever written. Um, he said something like, he was on a podcast and he's like, he basically said, I played around with this inherently silly character and put him in a deeply psychopathic territory and I bitterly regret uh, since these characters were never be take, meant to be taken that way. It's my fault that after this, all of them became Casper the Friendly Ghost with a chainsaw. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, the cover itself doesn't really fit into what the book is about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, like, Raphael Albuquerque was commissioned and he was given direction. You know, like, he wasn't just like, let's make this really rapey cover happen. Um, I, I really respect Raphael Albuquerque. I think he's an amazing artist that has an amazing understanding of what's going on in the industry. Um, and I don't think he would have done this cover had he really known the implications that uh, would have come from it, which is obviously why he pulled it. Mm-hmm. Um, but DC shouldn't have asked him to do it in the first place. Uh, and I think it's also very important to know that this is an editorial decision, like um, from the higher ups, this is a bigger picture thing that, um, you know, was being uh, spread out across a ton of different books. Uh, so the creative teams like Babs Tarr, Brendan uh, Fletcher and Cameron Stewart are not to blame for this cover. Um, I, I just think that's also a really important thing to know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, They've been incredibly respectful. I mean, um, obviously there was some controversy over uh, the trans issue that happened, but they wrote one of the most eloquent apology letters that I think I've ever seen. Um, And I know for a fact that they're just really conscious of making this book not what this cover uh, implied. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a good decision on Raphael Albuquerque's part to ask DC to pull it. And I think yes. and on Twitter, after the thing happened, Cameron specifically was out saying, like, we always had objections to the cover, and we didn't want it on the cover of our book. And and so, it, in my opinion, like, if the fans of the book don't want it, and the creative team behind it didn't want mm-hmm. it, then, like, who, you know, who is the cover for? It, is, part of my, is part of my issue with the whole thing. Um, uh, but those are all very good points, Stephanie. And Albuquerque says as much in his statement, right, that... He meant to pay homage to a story he really likes, and he knows a lot of people, other people like, but he did not intend to ever, you know, cause anyone distress. And he, you know, he, he's very respectful of people's opinions, and he's, so he decided to pull it. Yeah, completely and class he, act. Yeah. he made note of the fact that nobody had threatened him yes. personally, yes. Yes. but I think it's really awful that he had to note that the people who were speaking out at the cover were threatened. Yeah. So you're not threatening the artist, the person who drew it, but you are threatening other people, like... Enough's enough. Yeah. L- let's like, be clear. Anybody threatening anybody like that is human garbage. All right. That, yeah. That's, that's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. You know? Here, here. And, and it's like, it's one thing to call out people for having an, a voice. Be like, oh, like, you know, that's not right. I love this cover. Blah, 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 blah. Fine. You can love that cover. But like, just shut your mouth if you don't have something nice to say to the person who doesn't. Yeah. Or at least Ugh. have at least be respectful to the person yeah, you know, exactly. who doesn't. And like, I think everyone needs to know at this point in time too. Uh, 
where to point the finger again. You know, a lot of the times, Raphael Albuquerque, a lot of people think the artist. And again, just reiterating, it's an, they're commissioned to do this. They're not just like, I'm going to draw this thing and submit it. Hopefully DC will publish it. <laughs> like, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. But you know, we mentioned this way back, and people gave us a lot of shit for this when we talked about it. But the Milo Manara thing, right? Uh, the Spider Woman thing. Mm-hmm. You can't blame Milo Manara for doing what they ask him to do, right? Like, <laughs> if you're going to hire him to do the, the, what he does, then don't be upset when you get what he does. It's it's up to the company itself to dictate, you know, what they think is appropriate mm-hmm. for their characters. Same thing with Albuquerque. You're going to get something horrifying yeah. and, and, and chilling if you're going to ask him to do a cover yeah. like this. Um, and, you know, I want to say to it, like, I, I think, and I said, this, I said this every time I've talked about it, it's a striking piece of horror art. Like, it, it's it's a beautifully rendered cover um, if taken in a vacuum, right? But we're not talking about a vacuum right. here. We're talking about a lot of implications going on. But in the context of a book that's now aimed at tweens and under. Yes. That, and a character whose history is so dramatically impacted by that mm-hmm. and only restored by good works of... Mm-hmm. Ostrander and Yale yeah. and uh, Dixon and Simone, yeah. that you now have something that resonates two or three times as deeply as it would have in some other place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I also just want to point people in the direction of uh, a blog of a friend of mine. He's an artist named Adam Gorham. He did like a, one of the issues of Zero. Mm. And I think he's doing some stuff for Valiant, if I'm not mistaken. But he was on the side of, why is everybody getting in a tizzy about this? Dum-dums? Mm-hmm. The killing joke's great. Don't be stupid. You're all being stupid. And then he like stopped and he real like evaluated everything that's going on. And he wrote out this excellent blog post, um, just kind of going through his thought process and, you know, like thinking about why it would be offensive for women or, you know, people who really love this character. And um, I just thought it was a really excellent piece uh, that addressed you know, uh, not necessarily agreeing with what's going on, but finding a way to understand. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And, like, one of the things he said is, never be afraid to reevaluate the things you love. Even if it diminishes that which you cherish, cherish, you will grow to be better. Mm -hmm. And um, I really think if you have a chance, it's not a very long post. Um, He's on, his website is princelydreadful at blogspot.ca. So uh, you guys should check that out because I thought it was really excellent. Yeah, I read it uh, when you tweeted it, Stephanie, and, and it was g- great because it encapsulated a lot of my thoughts, actually, because I went through a similar, very similar thought process when, when I first saw the cover, you know? Uh, so it was, it, was, it was great to read that. Um, Steve, were you af- offended by the cover? Did you feel like it should be pulled? Did this kind of take you unawares? Like, what, what, what happened when you first saw the cover? All right. Um, what happened when I first saw the cover... I I really dig Raphael Albuquerque's art style. Mm-hmm. I love his stuff. Yeah, I think we I think we all do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was a big fan of the Killing Joke. Uh, a lot of what's happened in the past forty eight hours has kind of now soured that story for me a little bit. Uh, in hindsight, I've been thinking about it a lot. So that's a conver- whole different conversation. Um, I looked at it and I said, like, the first thing I said to myself, I was like, my God, I'm like, this is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And mainly, it's you know, the look on Barbara's face is just absolutely terrifying and it's sad and it's, it's frightening and all of these things. And the more I looked at it, 
the more I, I kind of like, I started hearing the chatter, people were getting upset and I'm like, all right, before I like take to, you know, social media with my opinion of this thing, let me see what other people are thinking. And I went from finding it to be, I still think it's a beautiful piece of art. I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, I just, it's a very multifaceted thing, what happened with this cover, for me at least. Like somebody who kind of sits there and picks things mm -hmm. apart and looks at all the pieces and stuff as much as I can. I just, I couldn't believe all of the other things that got wrapped into it like how many different people saw this cover as something different mm -hmm. to me it looked like at first that dc was like hey Raphael, we're doing this joker month thing it would be great if you could give us a cover uh maybe based off of you know alan moore's the killing joke oh really i love that book yeah, yeah no definitely and that's then, probably exactly what happened right yeah. and then he went and he did mm -hmm. his thing yeah and that's what he does yeah you know, like just when we were talking about the Spider Woman cover, when we were saying like, if you go to a person who does erotic art to do a cover, you're going to probably get an erotic <laughs> yeah. cover. Yeah, yeah, DC knew what they were getting. Right, I mean, it's not like they. Yeah, right. So the problem is, is that in the context of where the book is now and what the character is now, is you know the Batgirl team has and Gail too has worked very very hard to get you know, Barbara out of the chair and back into the suit and back onto the streets and all of that stuff and the new attitude and the fresh coat of paint and all of that, that means something to a lot of people. So for this image to come out, I would imagine, and for me too, a little bit, like it was really startling and kind of, you know, like mentally propelled me back to that story. And then I started evaluating that story and Bob had mentioned the book club earlier and I mean, that was like two years ago that we did that, November of like 2013. And I was listening to a little bit of it and I'm like, man, Steve, like I do not agree with you today, <laughs> you know? And like, I'm thinking of this story where, you know, it's implied that she was sexually assaulted. There's like all these photos taken of her. Her father's like naked on all fours with a ball gag in his mouth and like a chain around his neck yeah. with a, a devil with like, I mean, a, a dwarf with like devil hair yeah. and stuff like that. And like, like they're showing him the photos of his daughter, like mm -hmm. possibly being like raped. Like, oh my God, that's a really, really fucked up story yeah. yeah and and here we are in present day batgirl where you know we have this this whole new take on that character and we're building her up to be something past that and beyond that and bam we're just putting her right back in there so long story short i've been trying to appreciate both sides of of the cover and the people that you know are appreciating it for its artfulness because yes it is mm -hmm. gorgeous as art by Raphael you is always mm -hmm. but it's also a, a piece of art that really stings and really moved me in a multitude of ways I was I was in love with the colors but I was petrified and terrified and saddened by the look on Barbara's face. And it became this like cruel and ugly image, you know, at a, at a second look. And but the person that sits behind this microphone every week and is evaluating art and evaluating story, somebody that appreciates art, I I'm glad that it's at least out there because I don't want stuff to just not be put out there for the people that do enjoy it to enjoy it because uh, how it might affect some other people i totally get it and I, I i feel that but 
it's a really muddy area once you start taking things away like that. It is yeah. it's totally a muddy area, and I, I and I absolutely agree with you. And I'm glad you brought that that point up. I mean, because there's been people. who Most of the conversations I've had with people, um, and I want to say that, uh, except for one other person, one person, I've had wonderful conversations with people on Twitter about this topic. Um, that's one of the things they're most worried about, right? Is this is this policing by social media of stuff that 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 yeah. gets to come out, come out. Um, and I, I totally, I totally can see that fear um, because, look, I, I, I share that fear of things being constricted. But I, I will say this: the reason it doesn't bother me too much in this instance is that a, it's a variant cover to a book. Mm-hmm. Um, it has nothing to do with the story. It's not a piece of you know story in itself. Um, it, it, it was not some governing body that said you know you can't publish this mm-hmm. book. You, you know, DC, and we've seen DC and Marvel both do things in in, in in the face of huge amounts of controversy, you know, just in the few years we've been doing this. Um, so I, I don't see them as always buckling on, on stuff like this. Um, mm-hmm. If it was an important, if, if it was an important story choice, if it was something they're going, I would expect them to stand behind the people who are creating the book. Um, right. Well, but, but because it's a cover, not even the, the real, real cover, it's a variant cover, mm-hmm. I, 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 it doesn't, hit me in that way the, the same i think yeah. because of that but you know i also think that context is very important right here like you were saying about the the, the status quo of the book now yeah which is a book aimed at not kids but young adult readers um this cover is completely against like that whole theme it, it's not right. safe for yeah. that it's also and again i'm i'm not I'm, I'm also not on the side of like let's make everything safe for everybody either but there are so many moments in 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 Batgirl's history. There are so many things to call upon, and for me, it, it's and this is this is taking to a silly place, but it's equivalent for me as a Red Sox fan. When every time something happened to the Red Sox, you'd see the ball going through Bill Buckner's legs in the right. Game Six of the World <laughs> Series. You know, it's like you don't always have to lean on this one image to to get across your point. Yeah. Um, but I can totally see, you know, where people are coming from. And I think that it's a case-by-case basis, right? Because in this instance, I think DC made the right choice. Because if people are truly hurt by it, it's, there's, it doesn't have any reason to exist. You know, there's no... It's not... It's only... The only reason the image exists is to sell a comic book. Mm-hmm. It's not there for any artistic reasons. An artist created it. Yeah. Um, but, he, but it has no artistic basis except for wanting to sell extra copies of a comic book in the same way the cover in and of itself is that fridge moment yeah where it has no story value whatsoever but mm. to be there and be shocking yeah yeah and in the context of creative team not interested fans not interested yeah artist of the piece not interested yeah. in having it out there anymore yeah yeah it, it's never not going to exist because it's now everywhere and if yeah. you want to go to staples and have them print one up as a poster absolutely they'll go right ahead and do it and you get to have the same thing you had hanging on your wall make it into a t-shirt do what you feel like yeah absolutely it exists forever yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i mean they didn't destroy all the images of the yeah. thing yeah uh, and one thing i will say though is, and is it, some people are doing this and and if you if you're one of the people who did this and you think you need to think about kind of the way you're going about what you're doing if people have an objection to the cover, falling back on this crutch of, do they even read the killing joke? Like, that's not a valid critique of somebody not liking the cover. Because it's what you're doing is you're gatekeeping. You're mm-hmm. saying, if you haven't read this, this, and this, your opinion doesn't matter. 
Um, I'm willing to gauge, and I said this on Twitter, that the real question should be, are you reading Batgirl? It should be the question Amen. whether or not you're upset about this cover. Yeah. Because if you're the kind of person who read The Killing Joke, maybe you read Batman, maybe you read a couple of their books, maybe you read a ton of books, but you don't read Batgirl, and you're the one deciding whether or not you know you think this cover is appropriate, then in that instance, you're the tourist here. You know, you're checking in on something that doesn't affect you and saying whether or not you agree with it or not. Yeah. People who read the book every week, every month, people who are invested in it, people care this much about it. And that's one thing you should take away it too. You have a group of people who, are, who care so much about this book that they don't want to see it besmirched in any way. Right. Um, and I, I think that's an interesting stance to have. I mean, I just, you know, I, like I said, it's a multifaceted thing. There are a lot of things to be upset about. There are a lot of things to be confused about. But I mean, the bottom line for me that I, I think is is bizarre is how like DC's like riding this wave right now of this book being a really big success. And it's caught a lot of new fans and people have come in that to have the idea. I understand that they're, you know, the killing joke is a classic. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of people would consider it yeah, to be a classic. Yeah. So you like you want that dollar, right? Like you want that mm-hmm. to be, you know, it's going to be a one in 25 variant. It's going to go for money, whatever. But to not have like the blessing of your current creative team who has created that new energy for you and to completely like go against the grain of that energy that they helped to bring to the book just seems like a really, really bad decision. Yeah, and it obviously yeah. was a bad it was a tone deaf decision, I think. Yeah, I that's that's the part that bothers me mm-hmm. the most. I mean, I don't I've I've met the creative team, I don't know them personally, but th- the way that they reacted to the other incident, the, the whole way through that they've been making this book, they've handled everything really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Have respect for that team, you know, thrusting this character into a new spotlight and people really, really digging on it. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if they say, hey, look, this is really not the direction we want. We don't think this is a good idea. You should listen to them. Mm-hmm. And they did, yeah. you know, because I mean, even if Raphael had said, I want you to pull the cover, if they didn't want to pull the cover... They didn't have to, you know? Right. So they made a bad decision, and then they they made a better decision uh, with a horribly worded press release. Very true. Uh, And I want to make it clear, too, because people might have read that, and I know there was a a talk about threats there. They were talking about people threatening the people protesting the cover. Yeah, don't do that. Not not threats against the creators. And by the way, either one is unacceptable. Even if you didn't like the cover, threatening threatening an artist is not acceptable. Or his livelihood or or anything Yeah, anything like that is not acceptable. Nothing that happened here, but in general, like it's just yeah. not an acceptable thing to do. Like get your priorities in order, because in the end, these are little battles, and you need to fight them in order to get equality. Mm. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that it is a comic book cover, you know, and it's important. It isn't. I'm not saying it's unimportant, but it's not important enough, and really nothing is important enough to threaten right. someone's life or livelihood over. Mm. So, um, yeah. and just I, this is sort of tying in very, very loosely, but. Um, I saw today that Ashley Judd, on her, like, social media stuff, people were sending her rape threats, oh. and she's pressing charges, and I'm like, yeah! I did the same thing yeah. earlier, Steph. <laughs> Not two hours like, ago, I saw that. I am so thrilled, and, I mean, like, people like me won't be able to press charges because people won't listen, but when celebrities start doing it, like, and they get all kinds of hate, it's starting to set a precedent. Mm-hmm. President. 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 Um, it's starting to set a president. <laughs> president. It's starting to set a president, Obama. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's amazing that she's saying no more. Yeah. And, um, you know, making the authorities have to recognize that this is a problem. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Can't hide behind your nominee anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Fly backwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was really interesting because I, you know, I was talking to my parents a few months ago at this point, and uh, I forgot what, what we were what was around. I forgot what we were discussing. It was some hullabaloo that we I was discuss, we were discussing on this show, and I was talking about like the reaction to it. Oh, it was when we did the when Maria on. That's when it was. Oh, oh okay. Um, uh, and we, it was one of the other rounds of like, oh, you guys are social justice warriors. Yeah, Go yeah. f yourself, kind of line of thing. Um, <laughs> uh, and the vocal minority. Yeah, I was, I was talking to my parents about it. And I was just I was telling them about like what goes on around us and and what people face in there and you know they were like okay and then I I, I you know and I, I I mentioned GamerGate and they don't know what GamerGate yeah. is you know uh, they have no idea and when I explained it to my father who my father used to be an FBI agent the look on his face he was like well those people should be in jail yeah. I was like yeah but it doesn't happen like that. And he's like, well, that he started getting so angry. <laughs> Good for your dad. He was like, well, that's ridiculous. And he was like, oh no, he was like, I can't believe that happens. Um, but it was interesting to talk to somebody who people who aren't entrenched, you know, because I think even yeah. even even though we're we get incensed by it, we've come to expect it, you know. And to talk to people who don't or aren't in kind of yeah. inundated oh, by it, to see the reaction to it reminds me of like actually how actually fucked up it is i had the yeah. worst conversation about wonder woman's costume yesterday with my friend's sister oh really oh it was the worst <laughs> we'll have another bad conversation about that later yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so yeah so that i, I wanted to get the, the heavy heavy stuff out of the way that was the real thing we needed to talk about i thought that was a very productive conversation yeah me too um the wonder woman costume this is that's 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 taking something silly seriously that this, this is gonna round be, one yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was taking something serious serious um all right, so uh, let's move, let's talk about some comic books. Let's, oh. let's let's move away from from varying covers that won't come out to books that did come out. Um, Steve, you're going to be up first. Hurrah! For a lightning round. Okay, you've got three minutes on the clock. Lightning round, go. All right, so uh, Alesh Kot has dropped a new book called The Surface from Image Comics, and the creative team is Alesh Kot on words. It's drawn by Langdon Foss and colored by Jordi Belair. Uh, this is a yet another really, really mind-bending book, um, much like uh, Alesh's book, The Change, that came out, or just Change, uh, a little while ago. It was four issues, very bizarre, ended in a, in a not-so-great place, and kept you guessing. Uh, the Surface is another one of these books. It's essentially about a small group of uh, young adults who have heard kind of a, a, a tale amongst their, their uh, planet or people that the world is a hologram and uh, where they're living at this place called the surface. And they essentially want to find the source of this hologram. Where is it coming from? Where is it being projected? And what is it exactly? Um, the book was kind of cool in that it had a, um, so it's got these pages where Alesh is sitting down doing this really in-depth interview as to like him leaving uh, the big two and going to work on more independent stuff and kind of his aspirations uh, for this story, which so far it seems very up in the air. So um, if you want to check it out, if you like some of his more uh, cerebral kind of stuff, uh, you might want to give the surface a look. It's pretty neat. Uh, I might wait until the trade, though, to read it all collected because it is wordy and um, a tad confusing at times. Um, Surprise. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Big shocker. So Shelter number 15 came out. Uh, the series has now ended. Anybody that wants to pick it up, the third trade will be out soon. You can collect all three and read this absolutely amazing story from Ed Brisson and uh, Johnny Christmas. 
I really enjoyed the ending of the book. Uh, it was kind of a muted ending where everybody uh, who's left gets uh, what they deserve in one way or another. And some predictions maybe came true. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, I really satisfying ending. I mean, maybe there was like one or two things about it, but as a whole, as 15 issues of one solid run, it was solid all the way through. There was quality throughout each and every issue. Uh, and I read volume two of Deadly Class. I mean, my God, I, I'm, I can't believe that I don't read this book every month. It is phenomenal. I love it. Um, the the colors, the art, the, just I like that we're getting now into more of the interpersonal stuff and the relationships of these assassin kids that are in the school. Um, you're really diving into uh, relationships and keeping each other safe, forming alliances, and just meeting these really, really disgusting characters who are some of the foulest creatures I've <laughs> ever met in comics. Um, especially one of the one of the guys that actually comes back to haunt one of the characters. It happens that uh, they tried to put them down years ago, didn't work out. He's back, and it, like I said, he's just one of the most disgusting characters I've ever met in comics. The book is written very, very well. I'm out of time. That's right, perfectly though. Yeah, I mean, check out Deadly Class if you if you dropped off of it. Volume two is just as awesome as Volume one, if not better. Um, it's taking a little bit of a break, but uh, it's they end on such a high note that I, mm-hmm. I, just, I can't wait till it comes back. It's a great, great book. Uh, last night, after I finished talking on Twitter with people, I was like, okay, I'm going to read Surface. And it was like late, right before I was going to go to bed. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I was like, I cannot, I cannot do this. It's too, yeah. it's too much for me. Too much for my tired brain. I really, like, I really, really... Fell in love with the concept of it, mm-hmm. but like a lot of Alesha's stuff, it's really, really, really out there. Like out there to a point where I can't always follow him, mm-hmm. and that kind of bothers me about his writing. But the subject matter is what keeps me coming back to try each of his stuff. And of all the things that I've read by him, it's this off the wall, weird conceptual stuff that I like the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wild children when the the kids take over the school and put acid in the teacher's lounge coffee mm-hmm. like i thought that that was great mm-hmm. you must have been a handful in high school yeah <laughs> change was interesting but i felt ended poorly like didn't really give me any kind of conclusions um and this i'm going to have to wait till trade just because of how large the story is but the idea of all of reality being a hologram and us participating in a hologram because of like the way he describes it with the reflections off of your eyes, he gets in there and he gives you an explanation that you sit there and you go, well, maybe like maybe. Mm -hmm. And then he plays with that. And I think that's pretty cool. Cool. Awesome. Sounds fascinating. And I also enjoyed the ending of sheltered. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, it was it was there very much like you like, like a muted issue like issue fourteen was yeah banana insane you know banana oh. bands insane and this was much more of like okay this is what happened after yeah it was like it was like the epilogue yeah absolutely issue but I mean we got our panel and yeah, it was we got our panel. Very <laughs> it last. was satisfying because I'm I'm reading it I'm like okay there's like three pages left yeah. come on Ed what are you doing what are you doing ah there it is. Yep. So and Clusters, I uh, read the second issue of that too, and it's been really good. Yeah, it was. It was Shelter was a great series all the way through. It's definitely, a, a, I think, a must read for people. Yeah. Um, now there was one trade out so far, or have they there are two? both uh, two trades are out currently, and the third will be out very soon. Okay, because I read the first one during our 
deliberations, mm-hmm. yeah. and it was very affecting. Yeah. yeah. I want a hardcover collection, like a nice, like a nice little mm-hmm. omnibus or, or whatever collected thing. I think that'd be great. Totally. Uh, Stephanie, you ready? <laughs> you should be. You should be fine. You don't have much to fill the three minutes, so you should be fine. Sure. Okay, cool. you ready? And goo. Dragon Age. So, <laughs> um, played a lot of Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Okay, for real. Uh, Spider Gwen number two, I thought was better than the first one. Um, the addition of Spider Pig made it a bit better for me. Uh, but Spider Ham. Yes, whatever. I, mean, I don't care. He's Peter a- Porker. Peter Porker. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I'm still not 100% sold on the book, though. Like, it's just not where I wanted it to be. But I'm going to keep reading it because I think it's an important book to uh, support. And the art by Robbie Rodriguez is phenomenal. I think he draws Gwen Stacy brilliantly. And um, I'm just really, really excited that maybe this will get good. Gooder. More good. Better. Um, Better is the word you're looking for. So I read Saga number 26. There's not much to say about Saga because everyone already says it all the time. It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) And like it makes me really sad when I read it because at the beginning of this volume, um, Hazel tells you that it's going to be like years before she sees like she's reunited with her dad. And like every time there's these scenes with Marco where he's like, when am I going to see my family again? And I'm like, not for a long time. <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes me like so heart sore for him. And I just, I, I really connect with these characters. Um, but it's missing Isabel. What? I want more Isabel. <laughs> um, let's see. Operation Sin uh, wasn't as enamored with the third issue, although some cool things started to happen. So, Really liking this series as a whole, uh, loving the whole Peggy Carter aspect and that she's um, inadvertently getting her own book. Uh, it's not called yeah. Agent Carter, but whatever. I, I can live with it being called Operation Sin. It's um, her book. Pardon? It's her book. Yeah, it's it is. definitely her book. Um, and, and Starks. Um, and Thor number six. Pretty good. I... I'm, do we think that the one person that they really pushed in this time is actually the person that's Thor, or are they just leading us astray? Uh, I think they're leading us astray. astray yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. I might but, know who it is. Well, don't say anything. I will not say who I'm it enjoying is. The, I'm enjoying the trip. Yeah. I'm not. As am I. <laughs> you just I said it was to, good. <laughs> well, no, no. I, I like this issue, but I want to know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I want to know as well. that baloney. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah. story itself um, was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I would be okay with that character that they said being mm-hmm. the the Thor, though. Yeah. Um, if it turns out to be Sif or someone, I'm gonna flip tables. Like, What's, I mean, it's, it's no, not it's Sif. Not Sif. I, I know, but he's like, maybe it is, and I'm like, yeah. no. Um, but yeah. What Until is, what this is, issue. What is he? I don't think it was in this issue, but my friend posted it up today. He took a screen cap of it, where it's like, calm thine tits, <laughs> and she's saying it to Thor. <laughs> Is that? I don't remember that. She's telling him to calm down. She's like, "Calm thine tits." Yes. Oh, oh, right. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> I thought you said, "Calm down, tits." Yeah. yeah, same thing. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> basically, that's the same thing. It translates. Sort um, of. Yeah. Yes. 
One uh, of the characters I thought, I'm not going to spoil this hmm. in case people are reading in longer arcs, that I thought had a chance. No, hmm. not so much. Yeah. Not so much. It was pretty heart-wrenching, though. Yeah. That whole moment. I can tell you the Jane Foster stuff you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's that's... not a spoiler. She's in it. I mean, it's not like... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What I think, this issue made it much more palatable to me to not know because it wasn't her, really. You know, the main mm-hmm. thrust was was Odin's son, yeah. not 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 Thor. Um, so I was like, okay, she's. It's, they're not like cleverly hiding it from you anymore. Yeah. It's just like him trying to figure it out. So I could I could deal with that. Um, we did get that one panel of her is badass at the end of the book, though. When when she's like, it it tickles or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, with all the bullets <laughs> yeah, flying. Oh god, I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. It's getting uh, better to me, I think, as yeah. she kind of grows into it. Mm-hmm. And I liked um, the interaction between Thor and, um, oh, why can't I currently think of his name? Idris Elba. Oh, oh Heimdall. Heimdall, yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'll just call him Idris Elba. Um, but uh, I, I liked that interaction with him where he's like, maybe you should grow up and stop focusing on why she's worthy and focusing on why you're not. Yeah. Maybe, yes. maybe, maybe yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. Maybe. And I just kind of really enjoyed him uh, subtly being like, grow up. Yeah. It, you can see every beat of a hummingbird's wings. <laughs> Tell yeah. me whose face that is. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. do that. I've been like, busy. I could. I'm not going to. Yeah. Go figure things out for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I, I tell you, I feel exactly as you did about Spider-Gwen. Definitely yeah. improvement. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more personal details beginning to filter in, which is good. And I like her characterization here a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So I'm hanging in. The art is a big draw. I'm obviously. starting to wonder, like, I mean, um, the Edge of the Spider-Verse uh, issue was really good. The, uh, mm-hmm. the back two. flash, the number yep. two thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if maybe they wouldn't have been better off starting, like, a little ways back before that took place. You know, mm-hmm. talking about what exactly happened with Peter and doing like a proper Agreed. origin story because, you know, we're sick to death of Peter Parker's origin story, but like what, I mean, we, we get glimpses of it, but maybe they should have just backtracked and kind of gone over all of that. Especially um, since the glimpses are so great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if like, cause they just, I don't know. It just isn't quite doing it for me. And I, <laughs> wonder if maybe they'd be better served backtracking a bit yeah i mean i'm usually the person who doesn't want to see any of that and i i agree like i <laughs> I, I i want i felt like i'm same with you guys i felt like the book had a rhythm to it it felt like it had much more rhythm to it than the first issue did um and the art is stunning and amazing you know and unlike any other art out there which i love about it um and i did i did like how they started to expand her world a little Sorry. bit more um but i feel like they haven't quite nailed like the voices of the the supporting characters yet you know i don't i don't feel like i don't feel like vulture is consistent through the the two issues about how he acts you know what i mean like it isn't really clear why he's even you know a part of this Mm -hmm. and um this issue i think i really enjoyed um like if you remember when we talked about the first issue i hated the fact that they weren't really making her Gwen Stacy, they were making her Peter Parker, mm-hmm. um, you know, with all the quippiness and that sort of thing. And this time I felt like she was more Gwen Stacy and that quippiness yeah. was passed off to Spider-Ham, mm-hmm. uh, which helped kind of let her be her own person. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of Jiminy Cricket thing, as he so eloquently yeah. <laughs> put it, helped uh, kind of separate um, what's going on there. Yeah. And you also you got to see her being because that allowed her to be Gwen Stacy more than be Spider-Woman. You know, like we got to see her out of the mask and talking like yeah. herself. Um, I like the idea that like maybe she's a little, going a little crazy. Like I like that like kind of the, the, that yeah. weirdness about the issue, which that's the thing like, I I think I connected with that it was a little bit weird, um, which I enjoyed. Yeah, but it it it, does, it did not. It still hasn't clicked for me the way that Silk clicked for me right away. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I'm hoping that it it, it gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Vulture's like participation in the mm-hmm. story, he's a henchman for somebody bigger that we haven't met yet. Right, but mm-hmm. I, but but they don't do a great job of like. Oh yeah, yeah. Of, of giving you that information like in story, you know what I mean? Like I can see that, yeah. A, a, and it just feels to me like you know you start in the first issue like you he oh he he's consistent in that he wants attention. That's like the consistent thing about the two issues. But the way he acts in the first issue and the way he acts in the second issue, like it seems like two different people mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. at times. Um, um, and I know Robbie Rodriguez. He did uh, Prince of Cats right like a while ago. Um, an FBP, yeah, an well. FBP as well. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. know, but yeah. like. His style, um, his art is almost like a graffiti artist. Yeah, sort like, of, yeah. Wow. It, it looks like something you would see, uh, like a mural. Like, mm-hmm. I could see this comic, like, reading it on a wall somewhere. And I mean yeah. that in a really nice way. Like, I love yeah, graffiti yeah. art. I'm very pro. It's, it's uh, the perfect vibe for this book. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like, street-level art, street graffiti. Like, I, I really mm-hmm. think it's an excellent, excellent, excellent uh, matchup between you know, the material and um, what he does. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to point out. Sure. Yeah. yeah, totally. I, 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 also, I also hope it clicks better. I want, I want to feel that, that click. Mm-hmm. And, and this issue gave me more hope than the first issue, you know? So, yeah. uh, so it, it, it made me go, okay, I'm going to hang on longer because this issue was good enough to make me hang on. Well, as we were discussing, you know, expectations for this, of the Spider Lady books, this mm-hmm. was the highest. Yeah. And so far, it's been the least satisfying of the three. Totally. Yeah, which is a bummer because, I mean, yeah. it really should have been a slam dunk. Yeah. Oh, Stephanie, I mean, you weren't on last week. Did you read Spider-Woman number five? I haven't. You? Okay. You're going to love I, it. I, I picked it up, but... I just wanted to ask because I, I wanted to get your, your thoughts yeah, on it. Yeah, I know. I had, like, crippling migraines. <laughs> I feel for you, dear. I, yes. I certainly do. While we're spideying, mm-hmm. can I digress? Thwip, thwip, thwip. Yeah, thwip, what's up? Yeah. Um, renew your vows. Oh yeah, the Secret Wars tie-in, tie-in? Yeah, which brings the marriage back together. Yeah, little May Parker on the shoulder there. I'm <laughs> charmed to death by that cover. Oh, yeah, and that'll make me pick it up. Mm-hmm. I'm a little perturbed, to use a very old-fashioned word, that we had to knock off <laughs> her dad so we can bring it back to get to this. Did you read that all the way to the end? No, her her, her dad her is dead. Dead. Her dad's dead. Okay, but... I understand, but her dad's dead. Yeah, her dad's okay. dead. They killed off the one and only Spider-Man of her universe, yeah. her dad. And yeah. they, yeah, I know, they're, they're, they're okay. yeah. little Benji's there, and yeah, her mom's yeah, happy, yeah, and yeah. she goes off with Uncle Ben from some other university. I didn't buy it, but I did read it. <laughs> I'm just making <laughs> sure. It. Bob does not make accusations without backing them up. No, no. <laughs> Obviously. I just uh, got schooled. But I, you know, that cover... Mm-hmm. Just put a big smile on my it's face. It's a very nice cover, and I do like. I, I like that they're bringing back the marriage and the relationship. Yes. And um, he said that's going to be the Spider-Man book 
like during Secret Wars. Yeah. So if you want to read Spider-Man book, that's the one that he's going to be writing. That's going to be, and Adam Kubert's doing the art for for that book yeah. as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It looks it looks good. I mean, that yeah. cover is super charming. Super, super charming cover. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Good di- good digression, Bob. Thank you. Um, you will keep digressing so, oh, that, okay. so that you can do your lightning well, round. I lost a couple of books, but it just gives me a couple of extra seconds. All right, Bob, and go. I'm starting with Fantastic Four number 644, which is a great set- uh, setup to what I'm sure is going to be an emotional finale next issue. James Robinson and Leonard Kirk really been killing on this book since we got to the rise instead of the fall. Shame it happened so late. Captain Marvel 13, Carol and her smart ship Harrison trade Crips and face death <laughs> at the hands of the Hoffenzee on a rescue mission for, to get Tick and Chewie the Flurkin Cat. <laughs> Weird words can I use in one sense? Uh, anyway, it's just lots of fun action and a really touching finale. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> uh, Ms. Marvel 13, Kamala's first real crush, not counting, you know, fangirling superheroes on the internet. And it is delightful mix of real life and fantasy. And of course, supervillains intercede because, well, it's Marvel. They often do. Will her secret remain her own? The artwork mm. for that book was outstanding. Yes, it is a guest artist, Takeshi Miyazawa. I just threw down on a Kickstarter yeah. from Greg Pak, and he's the artist. Oh, okay. oh it's, it is just amazing. but And different, but yet perfectly in keeping with what we've had before. Mm-hmm. In a huge leap to something different, it's Shaft Number 4 by David F. Walker and Bill Quee Everly. Uh, John Shaft finds that all roads to the mysteries that have been in this book and the solutions all lead through him and might actually end up at the construction site of what is the then new World Trade Center down on Radio Row. Uh, Walker and Everly continue to astound with their ability to give us a John Shaft that isn't quite the movie character yet, but certainly you see where it's going to head. If people haven't picked this up who are fans of the movie, they are completely missing out. Now there's New Avengers 31. You got some loose ends. They're being you know brought together here finally, but some other knots are coming untied. And will it all make sense before? Time runs out. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I've read Empire of the Dead Arc 2. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not Alex Maleev, it was spectacular. So that trade just came out last week. Pick that one up and... Act three comes out, I think, in two weeks. Hmm. Done. All right. Extra time, Bob, of course. I'm sorry that I stepped on your toes for a couple of your books. No, it was much more fun that way. Yeah, we got uh, to talk about them. It's okay. Yeah. I, I know. But then I was like, Jesus, I took away a couple of books and I still feel like he had like 500. <laughs> <laughs> it's the plan. It's a lightning round. <laughs> yep. Bob, you're now, awesome. one of these, You're the one master of, these da- of the oh, lightning you. round. Yes. One of these days, I'm going to surprise everyone and do one book for three minutes. <laughs> I, I, I recommend it. It feels good sometimes, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you can talk about Dragon Age if you ever, you know, get into that. Like, don't do it. <laughs> no, I saw, I, there was a debate I saw uh, someone sent me because they know I like old stuff. Uh, I think it was the Talking Games tweet. If you were picking a console game. Oh, Ms. yeah. Ms. Pac-Man or Pac-Man. Yeah. I don't know. I... I Loved the Ms. Pac-Man goofy maze that started to go a little Ms. more Pac-Man sideways. Ms. Pac-Man was faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. she was so much faster. Ms. Pac-Man's a better game. Yeah. I agree. That's the, uh, that's the one that I chose, yeah, yeah. too. It's just like Donkey Kong Jr. is the better Donkey Kong game as well, I think. I like Donkey Kong 3, the one where oh, you have the... You're this little dude at a bottom. You're like an exterminator, and you have this uh, kind of gun that shoots spray, 
and Donkey Kong is at the top of these vines and he's smashing. Oh all yes, of these, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah so all these yeah. all these like bees and wasps mm-hmm. and stuff come out and you have to kind of platform your way through the levels and and shoot them down. It gets really fast paced and really complicated after a while, and it's just wow. the gameplay is surprisingly really tight. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Haven't thought of that in thirty years, and I now those vines and the, yep. it, it's in my head now. <laughs> he comes down at the, at the beginning and he's like, shh, 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 yeah, shh, 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 and then they all fucking. Oh, I love that game. <laughs> All right. Stephanie also took a few of my books from the lightning round. I'm so, sorry. Uh, I only read like <laughs> four things. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's why we do it this All right, way. Here we go. So I, I'm, this is, this is book, these books I, I, weren't gonna, I wasn't going to talk about before we started. So uh, Spawn Resurrection, number one. Um, not Brian Wood, Paul Jenkins, because mm-hmm. Brian Wood dropped off the book and, uh, uh, and uh, a few months ago, which I did not realize. Some, some listeners told us that. Um, I, the art is great. Uh, what's his name? Um, John Boy, uh, art is awesome. Uh, I gotta tell you, I'm not usually on say about books. Too many words. There's too many words. <laughs> it's really tough for a first issue to like. I'm not reading. You know, I've never read an issue of Spawn. Watch the HBO cartoon. I know who that he is. That's a good one. You know, uh, so I, I wanted to check it out, and uh, I couldn't really get into it because it was just there's just too much to get through. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number sixteen. We're done with uh, the, uh, the Spider-Verse event and. Uh, not Harold Ramos. Alberto <laughs> <laughs> Ramos is back Harold on art. Uh, art is gorgeous. The story didn't really didn't really click with me. It, it was good. It was silly. It was fun. But I don't know. Just something about it did not did not click in my brain. Spider Man hasn't been hitting for like the the main line. Amazing hasn't been hitting for me for a little while now. I really like the lead up to Spider Verse. I was fine with it. It's just yeah. I, I don't know what this didn't didn't do it for me. Um, another thing I want to talk about is I just watched the first three episodes yes of powers on the PlayStation network um it was really good uh i have not read any powers before um brian michael bendis michael Mm -hmm. avon oming series kind of what started bendis's career in a lot of ways um it's uh people don't know it's a show about a former superhero who has lost his powers who now is a detective in the powers bureau which is um you know a, a, a section a federal organization that is meant to you know, police superpowered crimes oh, and all that interesting kind of stuff. premise. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, it sort of has that slight deconstructionist bent to it, but uh, it, it's uh, it was a really cool story. And, and that Christian Walker is is the name of the lead character. He's played by Charlotte Copley, who District Nine, um, really excellent. Uh, and you know, there's been a there's been a murder. There's a series of murders going on. There's somebody slipping powers. This drug that's uh, that's killing them. And. One of like the big heroes dies. One of like the, the, the kind of the Justice League of heroes dies, and they're investigating it. But they're kind of being thwarted every turn by this this bad guy named Johnny Royale, and he's like a teleporter. Uh, and I, I found it really entertaining, and, and I really started to get into it as, as we got through the three episodes. I think all the performances are, are, are really good. Um, some of the effects are a little bit, you know, iffy, uh, but the the fidelity of the show is awesome and. I can't. I I wrote her name. I, I I looked up her name so I'd remember it. But the girl who plays Retro Girl, the woman who plays Retro Girl. Oh, Michelle. Uh, I can't remember her last name. Who also she played the really mean admiral. She was in uh, uh, Battlestar Battle Galactica. Galactica, Galactica. Galactica. Oh yes, yes, yes. 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 Not the missing. Uh, the that the killing. The killing. Uh, Michelle Farley. Forbes. I'm look it up Forbes. right now. For Michelle Forbes is awesome as Retro Girl, yeah. and I know in the books, like the, the books start with Retro Girl being dead. Um, so they made big changes, uh, 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 as far as I know. Um, but her character has been awesome, uh, really, really great, and her her chemistry with uh, Charlotte Copley has been fantastic. Um, 
I, I think that if you're a fan of superhero stuff, you should definitely check it out if you have a PlayStation account. I've, I've heard really to... good things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a, a lot of people are really liking it, but I, one of my friends who was really, really into the comics mm-hmm. said that one of the huge, uh, like, bombshells that you find out in, like, the third trade was dropped in, like, 30 seconds wow. of the oh, first really? show, and he was, like, really upset. He was like, you gave away, like, a huge thing. Um, and apparently there's like some things that just aren't good if you are a big fan of the comics. That's what I've heard. There's some characters that, that fans of the comics haven't been liking in the show. Yeah. Uh, Callista, I believe is one of the, is a major character in, in the show. Um, and people have not been digging her the way they dug her in the comics. Hmm. Um, Uh, but I haven't, I've only read like a few issues of powers, so mm -hmm. I don't think I would have that attachment, but yeah, me neither. So that's interesting for me to hear it because it's one of those things, it's not like Game of Thrones for me. Which is like mm-hmm. one of the few like geek things that I haven't read. So mm-hmm. when I watch it, I hear the like the the praise and the critiques from people who have read it, and I'm like, that's interesting because I don't even know. So it puts me on the outside in a way that I usually I'm not. Oh my god, Game of Thrones starts in a month. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited about that too. Yeah. Um, two things. One, um, the I heard you mention on Comics and Coffee that you wanted to maybe get into Powers. Yeah. Okay. Next time when I go to Canada, which is the end of April. Uh, the store that I usually go to has tons of powers cool. on that, like on that rack with cool. all of, like the really good stuff. Nice. Um, so if you want me to pick up anything for you, yeah, I can. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and two, uh, I'm actually really excited because iZombie uh, yeah. starts as we're recording this yeah. airs tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm I love the creative team that's behind it, and the book was really cool. I'm excited to check it out. I've heard that it's like maybe not necessarily like the book, but. I don't need it to be. Mm-hmm. It's um, definitely not like the book. I mean, yeah, the trailer no. basically showed you that it's yeah. Veronica, zombie Veronica Mars, I think. I'm <laughs> totally fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, to go really retro, I heard a hilarious radio commercial for iZombie <laughs> on my way here really on funny. the sports talk radio station. <laughs> Where is, yeah. is the linkage for that? I don't know, but it was just, yeah. why is it when I see a brain, I get hungry? <laughs> That's just a great line. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Veronica Mars. Like I loved all three seasons. The film was great. Um, If that's what it's going to be, and it's from that team that knows how to do that kind of thing well, I'm definitely up for checking that out. And it also, I mean, it also seems like uh, Roberson and uh, Allred are like all for it. They're Mm -hmm. like all you know, you know that that that. Yeah. So that that makes me excited. Well, I think uh, talking to Chris, he had mentioned. that he like his wife Allison, um, she used to do a lot of movie stuff. So I think when he wrote the book, he had it in mind that a lot of comic properties were getting picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wrote it uh, with the intention of somebody possibly taking it and warping it. So he kind of distanced himself, I believe. Mm, um, like he mm. loves he loves the book uh, mm. as far as I can tell, but he knew that if it got picked up, the chances of it being what he, you know, put out there were slim yeah. to none. Right, yeah. So right off the bat, he kind of just had that um, distance to be like, this is my version of what this is. And if it gets taken by, you know, picked up somewhere else, that'll be their version of what mm-hmm. it is. So I, I think from what I gather, he, him and his wife are really, really happy with how it's turned out. And uh, they're really loving working with the team. Cool. That's awesome. No. I don't, Steve, did you go to the All Red panel at Special Edition last year? With yes. Me? He told this great story about how he had had so many properties optioned for mm-hmm. movies, he basically didn't have to work anymore. 
<laughs> he's got these checks coming in from all these places, Mad Men and this and that and the other. But there was a certain frustration the way he said, you know, I create these great things and no one ever gets to know about them. So however, whatever version shows up, it's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, totally. The way that you can always remember that I was at that panel with you was that we were sitting together and you were asking me if we wanted pretzels. Yes. And then all of a sudden, I just dumbfounded, looked over at you with my jaw dropped, yeah. and you went, what? I said, my camera. Remember? And I yes. had to go, I left it with, left uh, with Jenny Frizen, and yeah. I had to go all the way back. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, hey, man, keeping your stuff safe. I'm like, yeah, I knew you would. I totally left it here on purpose. Yeah. She was wonderful. Um, and then I got pretzels. You got pretzels. And we got to, to listen to stories yeah. and eat pretzels. Yeah, I mean, I think especially with TV shows, I think people who watch TV shows based on comics are more likely to go after those books because I think people get hungry, you know, for yeah. the, the, the kind of constant uh, satisfaction. Look at the Walking Dead numbers. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. Powers is really cool. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's talk about some books of the week. Steve, let me let me hear about Hellbreak. Um, Hellbreak is really cool, and it's particularly cool that uh, it's an Oni Press book that was only one dollar. Mm-hmm. One dollar. Did the same thing with uh, Letter Forty Four when it came out. Yes. Yeah. Um, Will not always be a dollar. Public service announcement. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you got, after I talk about it, you got no excuse yeah. not to go pick it up. You could reach into your couch and pull out <laughs> some change and, you know, go and buy this book. It's uh, written by Cullen Bunn, and it's illustrated by, oh, here we go, uh, Brian Chirilla, awesome. I guess. Good, uh, good shot. And colors by Dave Stewart, uh, who you know from the Hellboy mm-hmm. universe. Um, so the deal with Hellbreak, it's actually quite simple. Um, and I, I positively love the concept is that it's a team of like, they're not paranormal investigators. They're kind of a task force that when, um, demonic possessions and stuff happen throughout the world, they're the team that is called upon to rescue the soul of that person who is currently being inhabited by, you know, an entity, Mm -hmm. uh, an evil entity of sorts. Only the hook of it is, is that instead of there being like just a like a black and white heaven and hell kind of situation, there's like 12 different versions of hell, like nine to 12 different versions. And each uh, layer or each or each like corner of hell houses different types of monstrosities. So you have, you know, 12 different horrific worlds for them to go adventuring in. And um, pretty much what the first issue is, it's just introducing you to, like, the base setup of the characters. You don't really get any kind of character development. Um, There's a lot of people to get to know. There's, like, at least five or six characters to be introduced to. So the book kind of just takes its time giving you its premise and saying, this is this person, and this is their job, and this is that person, and that's what they do. Um, So, like I said, you're not going to get a whole lot of character depth, but what you do get is a brief glimpse of at least two different versions of the hells that they'll be visiting, and they get tasked with, um, like, somebody's uh, son. Uh, young young man has been possessed, and they have to go down into hell to rescue him. And there's this, like, really heart-wrenching moment where they find him, and he's chained up with all these other people, and they have to make the decision whether or not to leave them behind. And just the stuff of them, you know, help me, I'm in hell, and they just... They just turn their backs and leave, and it's a really, really gut-wrenching moment. Um, the beasts are awesome. You got, like, you know, liquor-tongued, wow. double, uh, double-mouthed, huge fangs, 
kind of um, like Lovecraftian things yeah, going way on. Way too many eyeballs going on there, yeah. Yeah, but like, ah! like right? <laughs> I'm scared looking at this. It almost looks like some stuff uh, like got out of Dead Space yeah, yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like totally. that. But like, see, like, uh, well, you guys can't see this, but like, uh, Bob, like, you've got like this part, and then you go to this part, and it, it's more of like a masquerade ball mm. where all of the the different demons and such are wearing these uh, animal masks. It looks like some kind of crazy mishmash between Labyrinth and like Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Wow. And uh, I don't know. Like, the team is cool so far. I mean, everybody's got an attitude, which is to be expected. Um, it will be three ninety nine when issue number two hits, and then I guess from then on. Um, but definitely for a dollar, it's something uh, different and fun, I would say, that if you want to check it out, um, it's called Hellbreak from Oni Press by Colin Bunn. And yeah, I mean, I dug it. Bobby, did you read it? Yeah, I did read it, and and I, I dug it as well. Uh, it has sort of it's sort of like Inception meets The Exorcist, yeah. <laughs> in some ways, because they're diving. What I like, what, what's so intriguing about the concept is that there's people on our side doing an exorcism, but there has to be like a team inside the hell to bring the other guy up so that to Second. to switch them. So I love that idea. It's, I've never seen that before. So I was like, that's a really cool idea. I love the way it starts because it starts very seriously, you know, mm-hmm. with like this very serious, like going over the, you know, the myth of Orpheus and, and all this stuff. And you're like, oh, you know, going through the Greek myth. And then you turn this page and it's like these crazy monsters, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's never funny, but it definitely is pulpy, you know, yeah. in, in its execution. And uh, you don't really know the characters yet. You know, you, you know, the characters in kind of broad strokes, especially kind of the, the head of the, the team or whatever, you know, he's got his his personal pain that he's mm-hmm. that he's dealing with, you know, his demons, his own demons that he has to work through, and he may- maybe has a motive that isn't nefarious, but it's maybe running ulterior to mm-hmm. what the, the yeah. company wants, wants An agenda. to do. An agenda, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, I mean, especially, like, with Dave Stewart being there, like, the the colors of the book definitely have that, that Hellboy vibe to them, so you could be like, oh, well, I could just read Hellboy. This is definitely different enough that you can read both and and get you know a different kind of adventure and a different kind oh, of yeah. enjoyment yeah. out of out of each book because um, that was the first thing I asked myself I was like well if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go back and read Hellboy why do I need this book and then I sat down and I read it and I was like oh yeah. like this is this is completely different and just a ton of fun and it's got like a, I, I always love when they bring like technology and like weaponry to the church for some reason. Like I love that idea of like this such archaic institution with all of these like mm-hmm. computer screens built into like stone walls. And yeah. I, I love that, that aesthetic. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I definitely, definitely enjoyed it. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. I think yeah. Cullen Bunn is awesome. So I, it, it's nice. I love the idea of there being like a secret society task force yeah. that rescues the damned from, you know, multiple versions or multiple layers of hell like we have yet to see so much stuff from down below where they'll be playing with this story that even for like the creature designs alone i want to keep reading it yeah absolutely that's set up to me if matt fraction's doing odyssey in Mm -hmm. his own crazy way is this dante's inferno yeah sort of seven circles of hell now now crossed with vampires and monsters and all the rest of it yeah that's a really cool setup there's a lot of ground to cover there absolutely Mm -hmm. and the art is awesome the art is great the monster designs are so cool um varied the only the only only thing about the art that bothers me is that sometimes when they do like long shots the characters have no faces at all 
Mm-hmm. Those couple, I was like, whoa. Because it's, it's like pretty detailed when they're close. And then when it's like a wide shot, I'm like, they have no faces. Like, not even like the hint of faces. The action shots are really cool. Yeah. Like, they really went through a lot of trouble. Like, even in the background, there's stuff going on. People stepping over each other. You know, other people getting, like, souls getting damaged mm. in the background. Like, it's just happening back there while this big chase scene's going on. I thought it was really cool. It is really cool. Um, I'm going to comment on the detail. Mm-hmm. It could just be a function of the way comic art is done now. Hmm. Years ago, it was done one and a half up or two up. So a comic page was done two feet high. Mm-hmm. So you could cram as much detail. Those old pages with crappy pulp paper mm-hmm. would never have reproduced it, but people did real detail. Mm-hmm. They're now doing it nearly regular size. I right. can't speak for this issue particularly, yeah, but yeah, yeah. unless you're a nut mm-hmm. and want to be Jeff Darrow or Art Adams mm-hmm. and fill in every little squiggle or whatever... Yeah. It's the stuff is going to get lost because there's no way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm talking though, Bob. It's like no face, no faces. Okay, not even like like, like very that guy. Lo- very that guy yes. has no face. Exactly, <laughs> very low detailed face, no face. But those monsters have plenty of detail. They though. do. I mean, again, that's he what, likes that's, monsters more than people. That's my only qualm that's about the I'm art saying. at all. That looks great. Yeah. And that's a dollar. It's a dollar. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Get me one of those. I think. Nice, <laughs> uh, Stephanie. Hi. Tell me about Howard the Duck. Oh. Trapped in a world he's grown accustomed to. Um, so, obviously this book was coming uh, after the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, post-credits scene. It seemed, you know, inevitable. Um, they announced the movie so soon after that, am I right? A Howard the Duck movie? There's no Howard the Duck movie. Is there not? No. Okay, well maybe there's You're just a You're a crazy person. <laughs> I don't know not what I'm talking about. They announced the comic not um, long after. So it's Chip Zadarsky writing and uh, Joe Quinonez doing the art. And you may recall that we really, 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 really loved Joe Quinonez's art on uh, Bloodspell mm-hmm. uh, yeah. last year. I mean, we love him on a lot of different things, but especially that. And then Chip Zadarsky is Chip Zadarsky. We love him on the internet. We love him at Applebee's. <laughs> yes. we, we love him on Sex Criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, and him writing this book, like, reading it felt like watching a cartoon. Um, I realized, you know, Steph, they're cartoon pictures. Of course it feels <laughs> like that. But, like, it felt animated to me. Mm-hmm. You know, reading it, like, I could hear his voice. I could picture everything happening like live not live action but you know playing out in front of me because it just uh everything fit together so perfectly um it's very very chip zadarsky and if you happen to follow him on twitter it's basically like he created a twitter feed for howard the duck and then put it in a comic (laughs) um and it's perfect Uh, there's this amazing panel and if you're not reading howard the duck um, I can probably convince you to read it with one panel. Go find the training montage. <laughs> Just um, turn to it. Yeah, yes. It is like at the end of the year, if we have best single page in comics, this will be on my list. <laughs> um, just this great scene where they decide to, you know, solve crimes together and um, they need to train to do it. And, uh, <laughs> I love Howard is lifting five pound iron dumbbells 
with a headband as if he's Rambo wearing a shirt that says no harm, no foul, F-O-W-L. I love all the puns. Yeah. Like so much. I live for puns. I need a shirt that says I live for puns. Um, but it was just so much fun to read. And I wasn't really expecting this. Obviously, I was going to pick up the first issue because I'm really enjoying Chip Zdarsky and obviously, again, Joe Quinones. Um, and, you know, in terms of expectations, um, my bar wasn't set high, even though I, I mean, I just wasn't a fan of Howard the Duck. Um, and I don't think a lot of people are because, um, I mean, it's Howard the Duck. And uh, this just blew my expectations out of the water. I had so much fun reading it, um, and I can't wait for more of it. Uh, it's obviously, like, not an all-ages book, I don't think, um, but it felt like that same sort of fun that you get from Squirrel Girl, but, like, PG-13. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. There's a lot of manic stuff that happens in it, but one of my favorite things that happens in it is when he's robbing Felicia, yeah. and she comes in, and all she says is, am I being robbed by a talking pizza duck? <laughs> it really it really cracked me up. <laughs> it really, really cracked me up. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was very funny. We, you know, we, we know, I love Chip Zdarsky's art. I had no idea what I was going to think of him as a writer, you know? So to see that kind of manic, weird personality kind of perfectly brought to the page was really really nice uh, some really funny stuff you know stand, stand off with a monkey which, yeah. which was great um, and what was really interesting was uh, reading it and then uh, Community came back this week uh, on Yahoo mm-hmm. um, and watching Community like they're there's something about the bizarreness of both of them that is very like like they're sisters or something. Like that training montage is something that I feel like would happen in an episode of Community, you know. Uh, so it was it was a nice little little, uh, little marriage of, of things there. But yeah, I loved it. You know, I've never read anything Howard the Duck before. I, I've of course, like everyone else my age, seen the movie. Um, and when I was a kid, thought it was great, <laughs> and then realized it was awful um, when I got older. But uh, uh, yeah, I I had a ton of fun with it. Uh, Bob, you had this thing where you were like, you know, you didn't know. You said only the creator, right, Steve Gerber, Steve Gerber. has ever gotten it right. What did you think about this issue? I enjoyed the heck out of this, mm. quite frankly. And Stephanie, I am a big fan of Howard the Duck, <laughs> uh, having bought his first appearance Sorry. back in Adventure into Fear 19, where he shows up in one panel and then dies at the end of the next issue. I should have said... Like, I don't know anyone who likes Howard yeah. the Duck. I still have Bob. my vote Howard the Duck 1976 for president, but I still have it at home. And I, have, I was going to bring it in, and it was just, it was too windy. I thought it would disappear. The cameos are hysterical. He has Howard's voice down properly. He is, quite honestly, in his time, he was Rocket Raccoon. Mm-hmm. Snarky, bitchy, all the things you could imagine that mm-hmm. if you were stuck as a duck in a world of hairless apes, well, that's how you'd be, and that's how he is here, and it is loopy and insane, and if it hasn't quite captured Gerber's social commentary, it's one issue, mm-hmm. and we have a really nice setup where his office is. I'm not going to spoil. It's pretty funny mm-hmm. what building he he's now sharing space with. Peter Parker's Spider-Man here is just hysterical. <laughs> it It's in the Marvel Universe, but in this weird, wacky corner that it just doesn't quite matter what else is going on. 
except they're all referenced. Mm-hmm. So it's there and it's not, and that's pretty darn special. I definitely going in for issue number two. Awesome. Steve? Took me two reads to really get into it, to be honest. Okay. Um, the first time I read it, I didn't really know what to think of it. I couldn't... It was a little bit too fast for me, and it's it's like not all the jokes hit. Like it starts off with this really weird Smashing Pumpkins reference yeah. that just <laughs> didn't connect for me. Like I, I just thought it was bizarre. Um, but then in preparation for the show, I sat down with it again, and I'm like, I'm going to give myself a day or two and walk away from it, come back. Upon the second read, it read so much smoother for me. The Now that I had his voice in my head and I kind of knew the attitude that the book was going to take or that the character was going to take, I read it with that in mind, and it really clicked for me the second time around. Um, I will spoil a little something okay. since everybody said their favorite panel. Uh, my favorite panel by far is She-Hulk sitting in her office singing along to Taylor Swift's Shake It Off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, that broke me the second time around. Uh, and his interactions, Howard's interactions between uh, he, he inside of the office, uh, like you were mentioning earlier, the part that cracked you up, that was yeah. the part that cracked me up. Yeah. Um, it's good. I'm definitely up for a second issue. I really needed to warm to the character. Um, the montage base is amazing. And I, like I said, Second time around, I appreciated the jokes and the rhythm and the more like animated presentation of it. I mean, new new stuff is always you got to kind of like dip your toe in and go into the water slow and see it and feel it out and stuff like that. Some things I immediately embrace; other things it takes a little bit. Um, but I eventually I I came around to to Howard the Duck, and I'm I'm quite curious to see what Chip does with the rest of the series because he is just a wacky and an interesting, interesting guy. And I can't imagine him not writing a wacky and interesting book. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I mean, I, I was comparing it. I was talking to somebody about the book on Twitter where I likened it a little bit to Harley Quinn, where it's a situation yeah. where if I stop collecting it, I'm going to regret it because in like two or three or four issues, whatever, it's going to be amazing and it's going to be all these things happened and all these cameos happened and all these little throwback jokes and, and, you know, insider stuff is going to go on and I won't be there for it, Mm -hmm. you know? So I already, I already screwed up collecting, uh, Harley Quinn. I'm not going to do that with Howard the duck. So I'm definitely (laughs) keeping it on my, and the Joe Canona's, uh, art is, is really fun. And, uh, it's him, you know, doing what he does best and uh, he is the the perfect artist uh, to bring this character back into the the mainstream. I think. Yeah. Awesome. Those are my yeah. thoughts awesome. on Howard the Duck. Um, Bob, I'm gonna do mine because sure. I want to clear the decks for you to talk about your book of the week. Okay. So uh, my book of the week was uh, Ninjak number one. Uh, Matt Kent and Clay Mann on the main story, and then Matt Kent and Butch Geis on Ooh. the backup story. So this book is full of fantastic art. First of all, both artists. Clayman stuff is, is, is great, um, and then Butch Geist's stuff, which is like couldn't be more different than yeah, look at that. Than, yeah. than, and then Clayman stuff is also amazing. Um, Ninjak, I think, has always been uh, since of all the Valiant stuff I've read, even when I was reading it and not really digging into it and not really kidding to, it, was always the character that I liked the most. I thought it was the coolest character, um, and here I, I think that they do a great job of giving you backstory on who he is. And most importantly, for the character telling you, look, this guy is a freaking 
badass. Like he can basically <laughs> do whatever he wants. You know, he he's not like a super. He has some he has some enhanced abilities, but you know, he's not like incredibly super strong or whatever. He just has he's just really good at everything. You know, and um, really cool to boot. Kind of does like uh, you know. Um, side missions for the MI6. Like, he's kind of like a contractor uh. for them. So they send him out to, to do stuff. And the first mission is, is is really awesome because they do... One of the things I always feel like is important when you're going to build up a badass character is you have to show them really being badass. It's not enough to just say it. So they do this really great job of building up this kind of mark. He has to go and take out this prisoner that's supposed to have escaped from this prison and she's super dangerous her hair has like it's like made of knives or whatever like it's like <laughs> wow. things in Ooh. half like she can control people's minds with her words and he basically shows up and it's just like please you know that's basically, <laughs> basically what happens when he shows up uh and <laughs> come on <laughs> come on but it also gives you the wrinkle of he's he's not always as direct as what you think he's doing he, he's always also a surprising character because the end of the confrontation isn't the way you would expect it to be um there's like espionage aspects here, which I think are really, really fun. Uh, some flashback stuff, which I think is fun as well, which kind of gives you the idea of who this character is when he was a child and why he does what he does and then what he's doing now. Uh, and then the backup story is cool because, um, and the Butch Guy's art is perfect for this because it forgoes really like all of the action elements and he's just like a spy at this point. He's like, he's learning to be a spy. So it's very clandestine. It's very claustrophobic. It's It's very, you know, grungy and dark just like you know the guy's art yeah. brings uh which he brought so well to the winter soldier book when he did it uh with brubaker and that's all here as well uh that's why that looks so familiar yeah it, it's it's a super it's and the issue it's and clayman has done a few things he did this this carnage book a few years ago with, with marvel um but it's just a really really fun fun book um that i think is not something that you need to be invested in the universe overall to, to, to like. I think that if you've read the previous books and seen how badass he is, um, you might get a little more of a thrill out of him being such a badass because you want to see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it does everything it needs to do um, to be on its own terms. I got to pick that up. What did you, I can't remember, what did you think of Bloodshot when it came out? Uh, like the original Bloodshot stuff? No, the, the new one. Uh, they haven't done, Reborn? They yeah. haven't released Reborn yet. What am I thinking of then? I don't know. I'll have to check. I was talking to somebody about some Valiant stuff earlier. Yeah. And they were recommending um, some stuff to me. But I definitely, um, I passed up my chance to grab that the other mm. day. I need to I need to seek that out. Really cool book. I, I just, you know, I, I was hoping that the character, as a character that I, I was the most connected to throughout reading the other stuff, I was really, had high expectations for this, this issue to be great. And it was great. Um, and I'll say it again because it deserves saying, it's just so packed full of great art. It's unbelievable to me to have these two people doing the art is really great. Matt Kent nails the character. It's fun. It's It's got that spy aspect to it. It's got the ninja aspect to it. It's got high action aspects to it. You know, it, it's just a really good kind of blockbuster, I think, type of, you know, book to it. And uh, really, really highly recommend it. Um, Does it seem that there are more and more big creators Yes, drifting over into the Valiant universe. Yeah, they've definitely they've definitely signed up some really big names over the last couple of years. I mean, Kent and Lemire are, are big on there. Um, they've had you know Pack work for them as well, and, and and yeah, and I think that I think that they're making efforts as well to not only make the people who read the books already happy, but to bring in new people yeah. to check out because mm-hmm. this book was was great. And then I talked about Divinity a few weeks ago, um, and that book was also fantastic and very different than the other stuff I had been reading. So I think that they're doing a great job diversifying what they do, um, 
making readers who have loved them since the beginning happy and then also bringing in new people to, to check it out. Right, so, well, so mm-hmm. many of us following creators now. Yeah, you, absolutely. You now bring a name that says, wow, I've loved him doing mm-hmm. Big Two work yeah. or indie work. Now that person, okay, I love superheroes, but I want different. Absolutely. Valiant could be the place to go. Absolutely. Uh, the tweet was, Miko Sion's, uh art on Bloodshot is beyond the cover price. That's where I got wow. screwed. Oh, yeah. So it's coming out, though. It's coming out in uh, like two weeks or something like that, I think. It's coming out soon. Cool. It's April, I believe. Cool. Uh, that book's coming out. So, Bob, let's talk about Silver Surfer number 10. Yes. No, Silver Surfer number 10. Uh, look, here to me, this is, we talked about during our best of, you know, last year. This is a series that has really been always at the, I, I read my books sort of least to most favorite. It's been at the bottom of my pile since it came out, basically, and it's, it was at a very high level, art-wise, story-wise, and this arc that began in number eight took it to some other place entirely, which, that's great when you're starting at the bottom. When you're already at the top and find a level, it's sort of Michael Jordan in a playoff game, kind of, <laughs> kind of high level for those of us in that sort of stuff. Where we began in number eight was... Surfer and Dawn Greenwood found a planet called New Haven, inhabited by basically one of every race from every planet that Galactus had destroyed. This was their haven from all that had gone wrong. And the problem becomes Galactus traces Norin's cosmic trail to this planet. And so these poor people have tragedy visited on them a second time. Mm-hmm. Norin tries to explain to Dawn who he was before. And it's a nine. It's a very heartbreaking moment as she loses total faith in him. What we've built up through this whole series goes away in, in a heart, just heartbreaking fashion. Mm. He tries with a. I can spoil it now. We're an issue out. He buries his board in a moon and and basically serves a moon into Galactus's face <laughs> in just That's an so amazing awesome. piece of artwork, mm-hmm. and. And it doesn't work. He is left depowered and floating in space. I don't want to give away too many of the particulars to this issue, because I think people are going to, as Steve has described, the, the three as this new arc. It To me, it is a true modern-day version of the Galactus trilogy. It's, it's Dan yeah. Slott's Galactus trilogy. Yeah, yeah I couldn't, couldn't agree more. So I, I want people to discover all the joys of this at once. But within this issue, you have heroism from every corner, whether it's Norrin, Dawn, the people on the planet, it's funny here and there in an arch sort of way that only works because you, you're invested in these characters. It is scary, thrilling, heartbreaking, sad. I'm not ashamed to say there were tears in my eyes at one mm-hmm. sequence in here where I thought a lot was going to change. Things may have changed. Some people have pointed out this seems like the end of the run. But thankfully, Steve has found some information that it's not. We're going nope. to continue past Secret Wars with the slot all red Silver Surfer. So I couldn't be happier. Yep. Silver Surfer is staying on. This book is just magnificent month to month. These three even more so. What did everyone think? I, I mean, this is for me. This I've loved the series all the way through, but this was it for me. This was the thing that, like I said, I sat down to catch up with it. And I just happened to be you know, at issue eight. So eight, nine, 10 in a row that all three of them's got, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like three Galactus issues, three, all, you know, it's all wrapped up. It's done. They're moving on to the next thing. I'm like, I might have just read, you know, slots Galactus trilogy. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really beautiful in that it's, uh, it's 
not only is it a great Silver Surfer uh, story, but all of the things that Dan Slott has gone on record saying that it was inspired by, like the whole Doctor Who aspect, mm -hmm. I've watched a lot of Doctor Who, and I've watched him create a disconnect with his companions when something happens or they find something out about him that they don't like, and they, they move away from him, they lose faith in him, and they lose trust mm -hmm. in him. And there's also a, there's a very clear Doctor Who throwback um and i'll just give the doctor who lines i don't want to spoil it in the silver surfer but the one thing that you have to remember about the doctor is that the doctor lies and there's a throwback uh -huh. to that in this somewhere in this trilogy that i thought was really woven in there really really well um and it just it was really really powerful stuff the moment where dawn becomes completely disenchanted with everything that she's experienced with him just in one in in a, in a moment like within a within a blink it was really heartbreaking because I know who she's supposed to be both to him and pretty much to, to the entire galaxy. Yeah. And to see that rift happen so quickly and for, for a damn good reason, he was hiding a really, really big thing from her and to have it come out like that. It's the kind of thing that you want to approach somebody about and be like, listen, I, you know, we need to talk. And then it comes out, by somebody else just kind of blurting it or outing you for what you've done and you don't get that chance to kind of explain yourself before laying out the blow or whatever. It's a really tragic thing. Yes. And it was handled very, very well. I loved the conclusion. I loved the sacrifices. I love that moment where we really didn't know what was going to happen to a particular character mm -hmm. and it went into a really funky space for a time. Yes. It just, it had so much in it within those three issues that like I felt like I had read this like this grand story within just three short issues of the Silver Surfer, so I I loved it. If it wasn't going to be awesome. your book of the week, it was going to be mine. Wow, yeah, Bobby, um, it's my favorite issue of the year so far, wow. uh, bar none. Um, and I, I think that I mean it is so because it builds on uh, uh, issues that I think are also great. Um, I think that it's rare that a series can take everything that's doing and distill it into one 24 page book, you know, that it can, it can make something out of something that it's taken a very long time to set up. And, you know, I think the book has always been very good and, and the art has been stunning across the board. Uh, amazingly. So, um, but the book to me has always been like, uh, it, every issue has sort of been sort of like those issues of Dr. Who that are standalone issues that are like, Oh, this was really fun and interesting, entertaining, mm -hmm. very clever. But this three was like those two-parters to me that hit, I always remember, you know, two, three, four, five, six years <laughs> down the line that really just sit in my brain and I think about for a long time. And, um, uh, you know, that has that great moment uh, with all of the people, you know, saying the same phrase all at the same time, uh, which is, you know, uh, very reminiscent of, of, of a lot of things. Obviously, there's a, there's a Spartacus element yes. to it, as, obviously. Yeah. But it also reminded me of... Um, Oh my god, I can't remember the name of the story, but the uh, the Doctor Seuss story where you know they're they're oh. screaming, "We are here," you know, yeah. and, and be, being heard, and you know the, the brought back memories of that for me as well. And the, the, here, of course, the art is drop dead amazing. Uh, the story is is near perfect, and I just loved seeing. I love seeing the complications that arise between them, but also the kind of pure emotion that that. Norrin has um and i just i always find it heartwarming when you know the book is about good people trying to do 
the right thing. And and whatever Norrin's past is, obviously, for the last however many years of his life, that's all he's been trying to do is mm-hmm. the right thing. That's all Dawn is trying to do. That's all the planet these people these planet people are trying to do. And they all do something selfless at some point or another. Um, and you know, there's that line that where uh, Norrin says, you know, what noble souls to to the the about the people on the planet. And I just I, I loved I, I loved everything about it. And it took me look. I've been enjoying the book, but it totally took me by surprise that that I felt that that strongly about it. Uh, so yeah, Silver Surfer Ten is great. Really, awesome. really great. Now, I had a couple of people asking me about other sort of Galactus or Galactus-related things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as Steve pointed out, it's the Galactus trilogy from Lee and Kirby. It's 48 to 50. That was recently collected into something called the Silver Surfer Epic Collection. came out late November, early okay. December. It's when calls Galactus. It's those three as well as issues 55, 72. Mm. Uh, it's the uh, surface dealing Doom's powers things. It's some origin stories from the silver surfer issue which so that's one to have the 2010 miniseries heralds mm-hmm. which was really nicely done it's Catherine imminent i think that's been collected pretty sure it's still yeah around. it totally yeah. has and then it was in the john byrne era it was issues 242 to 244 257 to 262 it's when calls galactus where he gets a new herald and you see terax and dr doom and then it's the trial of galactus because at the end of the first half of that Galactus is dying. He gets knocked down by Thorn, the thing. He's just laying there in the street. Reed Richards saves him mm. because it's important for Galactus to exist in the universe. A lot of other races aren't so happy that he <laughs> saved Galactus's life, so he gets whisked away to some other planet to stand trial for saving Galactus, and that's been collected, <laughs> too, as the trial of Galactus. So anyone looking for other weird yeah. old Galacti stuff galacti galactus <laughs> and it's 70 brought to our attention now it's not full galactus stuff but the silver surfer requiem stuff. oh absolutely yes. which i yeah. love so much yeah yeah uh, so <laughs> yeah. the thing that i really enjoy about galactus is that as as life ending as he is and his his purpose throughout the galaxy is that he can be reasoned with i think that's one of the yes. most interesting things about him you can talk to him well that again that goes back to the first three times we saw him where he and the Watcher are standing on the top of the Baxter building with the Fantastic Four as ants at, the, at their <laughs> feet. And the Watcher trying to explain to Reed that, well, he's beyond good or evil. He is just Galactus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but comics weren't about that then. Mm-hmm. We're, we're now talking 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And it was just a brilliant creation and that you had... The Surfer is an emotionless herald at that point who gets punched off the top of the Baxter building by the thing, (laughs) lands on a balcony where Alicia Masters takes him in and describes what humanity is about and how he can't do what he's about to do. And that's where that character changes Mm. in this wonderful little moment. And that moment is captured again here all these years later by Slot and the Allreds. Mm. So I agree with what all you guys are saying and, and me too. This is... A book I hope goes on forever. Unfortunately, the sales uh, so great. But you know what? Maybe we can change that by talking about it today. Absolutely. Steve, Southern, Southern Cross. No, oh, I thought totally that we were going to break. No, we're, t- we're talking about Southern Cross right oh, now. Oh, damn it. Right now. <sighs> I've been drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. Does that mean what's you that? Need to pee? 
Does that mean you have yeah, to that kind of and start putting <laughs> waterfalls? Don't go chase uh, waterfalls. To the rivers and the lakes that show you. I know the whole thing. Um, it's my favorite joke in um, that movie, The Other Guys, with Will Ferrell. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Uh, Michael Keaton is like the captain, uh-huh. and he like is always quoting TLC lyrics, but he doesn't know who TLC is. I was totally into them. Their first album when it came out, mm-hmm. all over it. I liked Chili. She was she was my girl. <laughs> Everybody liked Left Eye, but I was I was a Chili man. <laughs> all right. So, so anyway. tell us about Southern Cross. So Southern Cross is a uh, Southern Cross number one is a new uh, comic from Image Comics, and a the story and cover is by Becky Cloonan. The art is by. Andy Belanger. Yes. Yeah. Getting some French up in here. Hey. Hey. Learning stuff. Look at you. Uh, And the colors are by Lee Lowridge. Um, And uh, letters by Sergei Lapointe. So here is the deal. Um, Her name is escaping me. I know her sister's name is... Alex. Amber. Her Amber. Her sister's Amber. Alex is the... Okay. Alex is the main character, yeah. All right, so... Alex uh, has arrived on the Southern Cross. Uh, they're on their way to... What's up? Titan. On, are they on the Titan or are they going to Titan? They're going to Titan. Titan. Okay. All right. I was right. Southern Cross is the right. name of the ship. Yeah. It is. Yes. Yeah. So I was right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Bob gave me a look and it confused <laughs> me for a second. I'm just drinking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. So she is taking a, a trip on this... Um, kind of like a a freighter type uh spacecraft where her sister unfortunately um in in recent uh times has passed away um only there are several questions that alex has pertaining to her sister's death um but she's been tasked we don't know by who but she's been tasked with uh going aboard the southern cross to collect uh her sister's remains and to collect her things and bring it home and start the process of, of putting her to rest and so on and so forth. Um, the only problem is, is that aboard the Southern Cross, uh, she kind of bites off a little bit more than she can chew by entering into this kind of strange society of like interplanetary workers that work aboard this thing. And there is kind of an event horizon-ish thing happening uh aboard the ship i'm trying not to give away too much because they do kind of blow the lid off of this thing towards the end of the book and i don't want to spoil that for you um but what you have here is you have kind of a like an aliens um i mentioned it before but like event horizon vibe where you've got this giant ship filled with all these different personalities you know you got the the gruff um misogynistic man character you've got the investigative uh, female roommate, and then you've got Alex, and she's kind of not really too thrilled to be there, and she seems to be um, quite complicated. She talks to herself a lot. Uh, She's very standoffish with people. She just wants to go and get it done and get her answers and go back. She doesn't want to be there, but she's finding that the more that she climbs aboard the ship and walks around and meets these different people, that there's something going on that she can't quite put her finger on and with all of that on her back there's something uh aboard the ship that is whispering to her and keeping her there for what i would guess to be nefarious reasons so that's pretty much the setup for something cross did i miss anything no i probably talked too much (laughs) no (laughs) 
Um, in regard to what I thought of it, I liked it. Um, I liked it a lot, actually. Uh, this is another book that I, I had to read twice. Um, I enjoyed it the first time around, but really enjoyed it the second time around. Um, upon a second read, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background. Uh, there's a lot of like the, the functionality of the ship and the way that it's laid out. I like the idea that it's populated with all of these people, but in certain scenes or certain instances throughout the beats of the book, that it the the ship itself feels very uh, empty and, and very very hollow, and there are sections of it that are unpopulated. Yet, even though it's a comic book, there's something about the corridors and something about the art and just the overall vibe of the book where it feels like something is still there. Um, and, and, you know, of course this wouldn't be uh, a sci-fi epic story if we didn't have things going on in the background, but there seems to be some kind of a, uh, corruption, uh, about the ship that I don't know if the crewmates have been like long time affected by it, if they're completely unaffected by it, if it only affects certain people, but there seems to be something about, uh, Amber and possibly her family, maybe even her blood that the ship uh, reacts to their presence and is kind of uh, playing with her mind and, and basically preying upon somebody who is already uneasy and who already doesn't know what to think of this place and is, you know, brand new to these surroundings, creating even more doubt inside of her head when she's got all these questions about how her sister might have passed away. Uh, it's got a really good air of mystery about it. It's creepy as hell. Like, even without, like, trying to be directly creepy at times, it still is. I feel like the people aboard the ship know more than they're letting on, and and maybe they're all in cahoots, and, and because they're, try- they're acting like they don't know who she is, really, or they don't know who she's affiliated with. I don't buy that. Her name is on a manifest. She has the same name as her sister. Some of them have to know the connection. And I just feel like there's stuff that they're not telling her, and they're kind of waiting to see how this thing aboard the ship affects her almost like what's up but they do they do point out that uh exactly what you just said they do point that out that she that they know who she is because of the manifest oh okay all right i all right yeah the captain points that out to her all right yeah when they're like walking to um do his Mm. like rounds he's like don't think that i didn't know who you Uh. are I saw the manifest. He says almost. <laughs> well, but the, does everybody know who she is? Um, I'm not sure. I guess anyone who would have access to the manifest, which wouldn't necessarily be everybody, but the captain. All right, sometimes definitely. I rant and I, yeah. I blow over things. I'm sure Gopher knows who she is. No, I was just backtracking because like the, they I do address that. It. So what's happening? What did you think of the book? I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought that uh, it was interesting to see. Becky and Andy work together and Becky taking a step back from the art. Um, but it still kind of almost has like a Becky-ish feel to it. Andy and Becky's styles are different, um, but like the almost anime-ish mm-hmm. feel is there. Um, so I really, really liked um, the style that uh, Andy brought to it. I loved the colors that Lee had. And uh, the story itself was really interesting and compelling to me. Uh I, I don't know how long like this arc is going to span for, um, you know, her trying to figure out what's happened to her sister um, or like what will happen once that's sorted out. But I think it's a really interesting start. Uh, I 
enjoyed the characters. You know, she's not likable necessarily, but you don't hate reading about her, which I think is a really hard thing to pull off. Because if you make an unlikable character, sometimes you just don't really want to continue trying to uh, learn about them. You don't want to be invested in a character that you don't see eye to eye with um, or you just don't have any kind of way to relate to. But uh, Becky Cloonan does a really good job of straddling that line and making sure that you still want to know what's happening to her and her sister. Um, and, you know, it's this really interesting story to me. So, yeah, I, I thought it was um, a good kickoff. <laughs> Bob, what about you? I'm going to say good and not great, but I really did enjoy it. I think the characterizations are pretty well done. The Alex Aaron setup, Aaron's her bunkmate, in essence, who's actually running the inquest into Amber's death. Mm-hmm. So I think that could lead to some really interesting fireworks. The captain and the doctor are both interesting in small doses. It'd be inter- nice to see where that heads. Um, artwork is put together in a really interesting way. You mentioned Alien. Yeah. Anyone see Outland? The Sean Connery movie? It's, uh, why am I thinking it's Peter Weir, but it's not. It's no. Peter somebody. He's a marshal on a space station. There's corruption within the space station's government. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting that sort of this is one of those bad Western towns kind of thing yeah. going on. And until we start to see who the rest of these people are around. Now, the art gives me a lot of... There are a couple of well-laid-out panels where you're seeing them go down into the ship. Yeah, that the word bubbles kind of follow you through. Right. Yeah. But some of those word panels, the, the spotting of them is a little confusing. Mm-hmm. And I, so that's something that I think I have to be a little more careful with. But I really love the idea of the the page itself making me follow them. Mm-hmm. I always like that. that yeah. Now there's yeah. mo- it's a motion comic kind of thing. I have one real qualm in that I think this is one of those that will be almost if it was written as a trade and arbitrarily broken into a chapter. It's paced in a very casual sort of way. Mm-hmm. And we're getting a mystery, but there isn't, a, for me anyway, a big enough hook that says, I need to read this to find out why. Because I don't really have that thing, except for one panel where it's she flashes backwards into she sees her sister, mm-hmm. yeah, in what's sort of the engine room, I guess mm-hmm. it is. And I think if it was, it was written as a as an issue and not as a chapter, it might have affected me a little more. I still want to read another one, yeah, but I think I'd, I'd much rather read the trade. Yeah, than issue I mean, to issue. I you know I, I agree with you. I think it doesn't do a good job of giving you its mission statement uh, yeah. off the bat. It gives you its initial mission statement, which is that she's trying to discover what happened to her sister. Um, but it, it, I feel like at times it holds back too much about what she's mm-hmm. going for or what her actual plan is, you know, um, and what is going on in the ship. You know, it's funny, Steve, you talked about it being creepy, and it's, it's so interesting when you talk to people about who read the same book as you and had a different reaction. Mm-hmm. I never felt like creeped out reading it okay. at all. I got that. I, I, I I'm, I got this, like, the alien sense, but that alien sense of, like, before the alien showed up, you know, like, that, like, we're on a ship, like, yeah. there's, like, there's, th- th- there's definitely a world created, and I think Becky Cloonan um, does a great job, as, and also um, Andy Bellinger does a great job of creating a world for the, these characters to inhabit, mm-hmm. um, and the world itself, I think, is is fascinating. I love this idea of setting up this this overarching universe where... 
you know, there are there are freighters and there are people who work jobs and you know there there are there are moons that are being mined and there are there's a, some sort of you know like the Wayland Yutani Corporation yeah. that's like yeah. very nefarious and what are they doing um, all that stuff. It's funny, except for that like last two panels, I guess or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I got no sense of like supernaturalness happening at, at all. Um, not that you're wrong at all, at all no. but it's just one of those things where, like, it's interesting how people pick up visual cues in different ways. Well, it's like I said, like, I read it twice, right? Yeah. So the first time, you know, checking it out, a little nervous after my last pick of the shared book of the week. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, oh, God, it's got to be good. I hope this is good. And I'm reading it and I'm reading it. And I'm like, you know, all right, all right. This was, it was the same reaction that I had to Howard the Duck. I was like, this was cool. Like, you know, it wasn't, it didn't blow me away, but it was cool. But then I started thinking about like the vibe of it and like the tonality and like just the atmosphere. It was a lot about oh, atmosphere. Tons of atmosphere. Yeah, right. absolutely. So, you know, when I start thinking about movies, like I said, third time, like Event Horizon or Sunshine, mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah. that idea of like a creeping madness. And then when you get towards the end of the book, I see something that could be the source of a creeping madness. Like I'm kind of making up a little bit of like the direction of the story in mm-hmm. my own mind of where I think it's going to go. So it might be an applied creepiness, but by adding that level to it upon a second read, it changed the atmosphere for me. And it was kind of hanging in the air. Like when she's going down into, she's looking for the the mess hall and she gets lost. And we have like those four or five panels of her looking down these mm-hmm. empty corridors like with that whole sunshine stuff in my head, now those panels have this like creepy emptiness to them. But because I know what's coming at the end of the book, I can now feel that that engine room permeating throughout yeah. the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. what you're saying. Yeah, uh, but I yeah I, I I liked it, and I and I feel like and Stephanie, it's funny because you talked about her not being a traditionally kind of likable character and. I think it's always an interesting and somewhat brave choice to make a character that way because there were definitely times where I was like, please shut up. Like, yeah, you know, yes. like, like you were, you were really starting to weigh on my head a little bit right now. Um, like I, I get it. Like your sister passed away and that's incredibly sad, but that doesn't seem like why you're really not liking talking to anybody. You just seem like a person who doesn't really like people. Like that's what it, that's what it came off to me. Who's doing this as a duty that she doesn't yeah. really want to perform. Steve was saying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, but it does like somebody's saying. It doesn't make me want to not read the book. It's just it, it give, makes my relationship to the book uh, different than it would be if it was an extremely likable character. Uh, but you know, I, I think I love science fiction, and I especially love this kind of milieu of science fiction yeah. quite a bit. So I do want to read more of it. But I do agree with you, Bob. I feel like a little bit like it's going to be an excellent trade. Um, but again. The second issue might be a totally different story. It might yeah. pick up, it might, it might, it might move, and it might be one of those books that you feel like you have to read month to month. But mm-hmm. the first issue, I think, has a lot of great things about it. I just felt like by the end of it, like I hadn't gotten a lot of story by the end of it. Yeah. That was my only complaint about about the book. It's a it's a lots of potential issue. Yeah, for oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Yeah, totally. Uh, Stephanie, you have any more thoughts about it? No, I I enjoyed it, and I agree with you, Bobby. I didn't really feel creeped out by it, um, but I thought it was really interesting, and I did really enjoy those panels where you were mm-hmm. taken down. Through. I kind of just read those. Those were my pages that I read over again because I was like, ooh, this yeah. is fun. Yeah, uh, it's fun design, and but, I do like as well, like that uh, one panel where she's like kind of like 
in that triangle and it's like really like weird kind of like yeah. bizarre you know I like, surrealistic uh, art. I like I love that panel because it was like it was using like a surrealist bent to give you very straightforward information you know mm-hmm. and I liked that about it I liked that it was because a lot of times they match up surrealist looking art with surrealist storytelling yeah. and it always makes my brain go fuzzy yeah. <laughs> and I love that it was like here's some really weird imagery but here's some really straightforward dialogue yeah. about like who my sister is and yeah. what you, you know I, I, I like that a lot i like the panel a lot where she's um she's looking down into her coffee or into her tea and there's this you know open mouth just a like a horrified ghastly expression on her face reflected in the liquid mm-hmm. and you know it being kind of like a foreshadowing of the madness to come yeah something to that effect absolutely all right so let's uh check check in with our listeners ah. um this is uh, at just Drew VG says Doug Southern Cross clever use of the ship's crew for exposition killer use of dark atmosphere. Um, this is uh, from at uh, Suda Forty One uh, Southern, uh, Southern Cross was interesting. Art was good. Give a very claustrophobic vibe, and we learned a lot. And nothing. Uh, um, we learned a lot and nothing. I'll read number two. Um, at Chris Fabulous says, I love the atmosphere in Southern Cross. Grimy realism with amazing bursts of psychedelia. And he put up a picture, uh, a screenshot sh- shot of that surrealist panel I was mentioning yeah. before. Also, s- Same uh, person. I'm also impressed by the lettering. It does a great job guiding the reader through some tricky layouts. Um, uh, the Cheska says, I thought Southern Cross had a good f- first issue, but I couldn't help but wish Becky Cloonan was on art duties as well. Um, at Matt Loon says, I thought it was a really atmospheric thriller and a claustrophobic like an old movie set on a submarine. Um, ah. At Stimulophile says, Loved Southern Cross number one by Becky Cloonan. Reminds me of a lot of great sci fi movies with great ship sets Aliens, Matrix, Star Wars. Um, at Jason Query says, Southern Cross aesthetic is Orient Express built by Waylon Yutani. Succinctly <laughs> established characters and architectural art. I like that comparison yeah. quite a bit. Um, at KDM616 says, I loved Southern Cross. The artwork was beautiful. Loved the spaceship Loved the spaceship details. Want to find out what happened. So great number one issue. Um, and at Toxic Sooner says, uh, art was great. Read it twice and picked up something new each time. I, I'm in love. I love that in a book. Uh, ready for number two. There was some abbreviations there that I did not at first read in the context in which they <laughs> it were. It happens. Sometimes they were Twitter immense. gets weird. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's our thoughts on uh, Southern Cross uh, number one. I believe Bob is. I believe you're right. Next week, yes. do you know what you're going to assign us? Yes. What do you, what, what's what's up for next week? Well, um, I'm going to bury the lead for a second. It's 1977. I don't believe it, Bob. I don't believe you'll bury the lead. Very <laughs> Vera Yelnikov is the best soldier the USSR has to offer. Oh, are you? Ooh, I think I know what you're going to pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, her boss, General Lanazev, decides that to change the culture of the, the world's perception of the Soviet Union, since Americans love the fantasy of superheroes, he sends her here to become a superhero. And it's a story based uh, in terms of the solicitation. They're talking about it being very Tarantino-esque, yeah. set in the 70s, little ultraviolence, a little bit of wacky stuff going on, lots of self-referential, and it's Red One, number oh, one, nice. uh, by... Xavier Dorison, or Barrison, I should say, and Terry and Rachel Dodson nice. from Image, and that comes out today. A fine choice. Awesome, yeah. awesome. I'll yeah, that, to, that, uh, that, uh, that promo image they've been putting out is really striking. Yeah, as soon yeah. as I saw the, the Tarantino reference, I was yeah. like, ooh. 
Yeah, she looks like she looks like Retro Girl, which is funny because I know that I'm I'm reading the thing. Um, All right, so Steve needs to take a little bathroom break. I do, and then we're gonna come right back and we'll finish up the show. There you go. Like my chair is like stuck. Kaylee strikes again as we begin another segment of a talking comedy <laughs> podcast. Oh, did you just hit record? I did. Yeah. Oh, whoops. I said I was gonna hit record, and you yes. just just kept on talking. Luckily, it's Kaylee's not, feeling better enough to rip up the carpet true. and make a mess. It's true. Yeah. She was sick the last time we heard. It's true. I know. She's better now. Yay. I'm just a bit of a menace. Did you get that <laughs> mineral oil I told you about? Yeah, she's all good. She's all like, oh, I'm better. Wait, wait. Neural oil or narwhal? Mineral oil. Oh, mineral oil. See, I'm... <laughs> you put a couple of drops into the food and mix it up, and it, it helps the... It basically coats and oils the uh, digestive tract and helps oh. push things along. If she's having, you know, constipation or, or stomach issues, um, there are things that you can add to the food to kind of move it along. <laughs> there you go. Seems the Caesar Milan of cats. <laughs> hey, I, I asked a lot of questions on your behalf, and I went I to that know, place twice. Did. I know. Because I care, and I'm your friend, and I love you. I know. And Kaylee greatly appreciates it. And I love that cat, damn it. Especially that that gif of her jumping up onto your chest and giving you a hug that you have, where you, like, you tap the yeah, top yeah. of your chest and she leapt up, I died when I saw that. Most adorable thing ever. She does it all the time, and, like, it makes me so happy when I come home and she like literally jumps into my arms. I'm like, oh, that is so the cute. The cat loves me. And the cat beard video was hysterical. <laughs> I love that cat. She's the best. Fabulous way cats, to begin. Bobby. That cats. dumb cat. Let's talk about my this, cat. This is the internet. We, do, we have to talk about cats. <laughs> talking cats. Yeah. Did, did she love our covers trousers. of the week last week? Did she love Hero Cat? Oh, I've only read one issue of that. Oh. There was another thing about that She-Hulk um, singing the Shake It Off thing is that she's looking at like a BuzzFeed article about mm-hmm. cats. Yeah. yeah. It's like, here's 20 pictures of cats to make you forget that you're living in a horrible world. <laughs> Do you know what click hole is? Yeah, yeah unfortunately, yes. Click, no, but click hole is like the onion version of BuzzFeed. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. <laughs> because there are times where you look at a click hole article and you're like, is this... A joke, or is this really a BuzzFeed? <laughs> oh God, dude! There are so many things going on now. There was it was like, how, like different uh, Disney princess meatloafs. Yeah, you know, like fourteen <laughs> different uh, princess meatloafs. I'm like, really? Wow. Or the other one was uh, was shoes. Mm-hmm. It was like, what if shoes were the Disney princesses? Yeah, really. There we go. Um, but that's a could be that is just twisted enough. Yeah, that it's funny, but also could be real. I like that. Yeah. They've done like every version of <laughs> if the Disney princesses were. Yes. Yep. If the Disney princesses were Russian czars. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, transitioning uh, <laughs> from that, I like that. Sales. Yeah. Uh, Bob, I'm going to ask you because I-, I was looking on Comic Con. I don't see the the full list of sales up yet. I see only see estimates at this point. Oh no, they're on there. You got to click on the the highlighted thing. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie uh, will be thrilled with what's number one. 
Well, uh, once again, and like Comic Con calls it now the Asterix era of yes. comic book oh, sales. I think I know. I think I know what it is. Can I guess? Yes. Sure. Is it Orphan Black? It is yes. Orphan Black. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Uh, which is part of this month's Loot Crate. Um, Loot Crate strikes again. Ooh. Uh, so it, there's there's two numbers. There's another number on Comic Con where I think and they 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 then ordered it by money paid to Diamond. And yes. I, I believe that Orphan Black was still like three or four or something like that, but. Um, Orphan Black is the number one book uh, with four hundred ninety-seven thousand. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Beca- yeah. yeah, obviously a lot of it because of Loot Crate, but still very cool. Um, very big numbers, huge numbers, yeah. backing those up. Darth Vader number one at two hundred sixty-four thousand copies. Number three, the Vulcan Minority speaking very loudly yeah. at this point. Spider Gwen two hundred and fifty-four thousand copies of Spider Gwen <laughs> number one. Nicely done. Uh, sold. Uh, Star Wars number Star Wars number two at one hundred and sixty two thousand. Uh, Batman number thirty nine at one hundred eighteen thousand. Amazing Spider Man number fourteen at one hundred six thousand. And Darth Vader number two at a hundred thousand. Um, we have then Amazing Spider Man number fifteen at ninety nine thousand. Silk number number one at seventy four thousand. Uh, really good numbers for that book. That's huge numbers. Uh, and number ten, Justice League number thirty nine at seventy two thousand. We've got Thor uh, coming up very close as well at 69,000. Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special, 68,000. Uh, Proving that girls don't buy comics. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, Walking Dead, 65,000. Um, I guess that and Guardians of the Galaxy um, and X-Men, Black Vortex, all, all at 65,000. So that was a little underwhelming. Yes, it was. Considering? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six, uh, Alpha, number one, 60,000. Uh, Spawn, number 250, 60,000. Guardians of the Galaxy, 60,000 as well. Um, you know, then there, I, I can't read all of them, but um, yeah. Saga, uh, still doing very well in the 50s, like it always does. Uh, Multiversity at 50,000. Um, Bob, are there any notable ones that you wanted to well, bring sure, up? I'm thrilled. Look, the Thor annual clocked mm-hmm. into the top 20. So at 58,000 for that, and Thor number five, it's nearly 70. That's a lot of Thor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and certainly a big improvement of what it was doing before. It seems like Batman Eternal has run its course a little bit. The it's, four of them have now dropped yeah. significantly down into the, uh, which yeah, is a shame because it's just 30s. about to end. So. Yeah. yeah, but it's still. I mean, it's still you're still selling forty five thousand copies a week, right. which, which is in good. this day and age yeah. is a real yeah. solid seller. Yeah. But the numbers before, when they were seventies mm-hmm. and eighties, mm-hmm. I think the monthly experiment is. Yeah, Go, it's been a really, really, really good run, people. though. That yeah. story's yeah. been awesome. Yeah, I think it's a certain point, though, where you get to a certain point where the, the, uh, uh, there are, like, exit points for a lot of people, you know, and I think that um, if you put a book out weekly, it becomes more easy, easier to jump off, and I think a certain, I, maybe they just have experiment with how many issues they do, you know, yeah. bef- before they end something like that. But Yeah, maybe it's better weekly for eight issues, ten issues. Yeah, but maybe... Tell a story, tell an arc... Mm-hmm. Maybe six months, maybe three months, maybe yeah. four months. You got to figure out the right time and when those sales start to drop off. Yeah. Uh, Spider Woman thirty six, uh, number four rather, was at thirty six thousand copies. It'll be issue to see what number five mm-hmm. it was. All me. It was all you. You bought thirty six thousand <laughs> copies of half an issue. Yeah. Um, for those people who say that Fantastic Four is canceled because, well, uh, Isaac Perlmutter hates Fox or whatever it is. And, you know, and we've been saying that the book is selling well. I don't know what's going. It's still selling thirty-two thousand copies, mm-hmm. which isn't you know, it's good for fifty-first place, which isn't great, mm-hmm. but it's not awful. Um, Squirrel Girl number two is still at twenty-four thousand, so it, it took a dump. But <laughs> I'm sorry, but 
if it if it hovers between twenty four thirty thousand from here on for such a quirky book, that's a really solid number. And I bought like digi- four copies, so it wasn't my fault. Right, and and uh, as with Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel, I guarantee you the digital sales of Squirrel Girl are probably through the roof. Mm-hmm. One of these days we'll get those numbers. One day, I'm not sure where they are and what why they're hiding them. Uh, Sadly, the Silver Surfer, which we just spoke so eloquently about, is sitting at number 99 on our list at 21,000 and even sadder, just below its Gotham Academy. Mm. People. Wow. Damien's coming. Damien's coming. To the Gotham Academy after, after Convergence. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That could, you That's know. That's going to be great. Yeah. Under the name Damien Al Ghul. Hopefully, with the release of the trade, that people that were you know trepidatious on, on jumping yes. on, yeah. they'll read it and they'll be like, "Oh wow!" Oh, you mean in three years when DC puts out the first trade? For- you know oh, what? God, that's right. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Isn't it April? June's solicitations. Solicitations. Mm-hmm. Okay, that just sounds weird. I thought that's coming out in April. Gotham no, no, no I'm talking about something June. about trades Wait, and everything else. No, Stephanie, Stephanie's right. Oh, yeah. go ahead, Steph. Gotham Academy's out in June. Oh, the trade. Oh. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. The June trades from DC are trades. There are trade paperbacks of mm. series that are just ending. There are no $30 hardcovers. Mm. There's a whole raft of actual trade paperbacks at $16 and $17. Okay. So maybe they're changing format. I would love bit. for them to release stuff faster. I'd be reading so much yeah. more stuff from them. Uh, it's secret- always digital. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but with some of us like to hold books in our hands. <laughs> You know, oh, whoa. I like to read them. Um, Secret Origins, which people, a lot of people missed because it only sold 18,000 copies at number 118 on the <laughs> list. You're going to miss some Batgirl story over there. Uh, my Lady Killer book, everyone want to guess what that sold? 8,000. He's covering the paper. 6,804 okay, copies. Okay, that's pretty close. You were very close. Uh, it's not so hot. But, you know, it's a great book and it, I don't care what it sells. Mm-hmm. So people should jump it on It also that. matters less uh, when it's a creator-owned thing. Right. So. I'm sure Dark Horse is not, thrilled. Not, not to their pockets, but I'm saying to right. the chance of it being published. Right. Dark Horse is fine, I'm sure, <laughs> when the trade comes out. Go to amend that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Gives you the forum posts now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah, there you go. Uh, in terms of the general numbers, uh, dollar sales, Marvel was at 38%, DC 26 Image at 10 IDW at 5 and Dark Horse at 3 and some change. Mm-hmm. And the unit sales, 39 for Marvel, 28 DC, 10 for Image, 8 for IDW. Even though they have only 5% of dollar sales, they had 8% of unit sales. Usually they're reversed. Because yeah, but it's of, also the, that they put out, I believe they put out Orphan Black. I believe yeah. they're the publisher of Orphan Black. Nice, bo- nice boost for yes. them. <laughs> and 2.6 for Dark Horse yeah. on the unit sales. Uh, yeah. Batgirl's selling pretty well still, 40,000. That's a really solid number. That really hasn't gone down too much, no. all things considered, if we're looking at you know box office numbers. Yeah. Number 171 on your hit parade <laughs> was Sensation Number 7 at 12,000 copies, which considering that you know Superman and Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman, even the Wonder Woman's down to 42 already, that's now only slightly above where the other relaunch was before the other relaunch. Mm-hmm. So think- go ahead, Steph. It's got to be doing better digitally, though, because it's a digital first, right? Yeah. The one- oh, sensation? Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping so. Yeah. I think it is doing better. Like, last week, I was looking on Comixology's top 10, and, like, all of them were, like, Squirrel Girl, Gotham Academy, this, and I was like, yeah. Okay. Like, I was, like, so excited at the um, 
top 10 that was on there. And I think Sensation Comics is doing a lot better digitally. Because, I mean, they're on issue, like, 24, 25 digitally. Yes. But, like, it's like, here's issue number seven, everyone. Yeah. Like, physically, mm-hmm. digital. Go digital, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no. Really, it's like, it's four issues in one, though. Four digital right. issues in one and one uh, physical issue. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I think the June I issue. I think the June issue, by the way, is written by Noel Stevenson. Oh, cool! Awesome. Yeah, I think twenty-five issue number twenty-five. I think it's physical issue number eleven <laughs> for you digital people. I'm so sorry. It might uh, be issue twenty-five. I'm saying. By the way, did you see the character art that they put out for Archie number one? Yep. No. It looks awesome. It does. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just super quickly, too, we were talking about iZombie earlier, and now we're talking about digital comics. And there's an iZombie sale on Comixology, oh, so cool. they have the trades Ooh. for 50% off. So uh, each vol- there's four volumes of um, iZombie collected, and they're $5.99 each. So Very FYI. Nice. nice. And I think the first issue, if you want to try it out, is $0.99. Cents. Very yeah, cool. I love that idea. Yeah. I put in my first uh, in-stock trades order the other day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What'd you order? I got um, all of Remender's uh, Uncanny X-Force, because I, cool. I need to own it. Uh, I got Copperhead. Nice. And uh, the Fade Out from Brubaker. Nice. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, they were five bucks. Um, not the not the Remender's. The Remender stuff was like 20 bucks a pop mm-hmm. for each of those, and it's like the two big volumes of the whole thing collected. Mm. So... I it really has become one of my all time favorite X Men stories. So even if I don't read it again for a while, I need to own it. Yeah, totally. All right, let's talk about Wonder Woman's new duds. Yay! This is what I thought the big cop topic of conversation would be this week. <laughs> um, Stephanie, what do you uh, think of Wonder um, Woman's new clothes? <laughs> underwhelming. <laughs> it's like. David Finch was like, and then I want to put this in, and then I want to put this in, and I'm going to put this in. And what if she had, like, Assassin's Creed blades? And she was like, and then she was like, yeah. And then what if she had a belt, but the belt was also, like, her boob gold W. What if she had What if she had her classic boots still, but there's, like, thigh highs? What if, what if we also put leggings on her? What if we put clothes on her, like, everywhere? What if we covered everything but her eyes? What if? <laughs> And then he was like, oh, my God, I can't even think. I can't even think. Look at all these designs that I've got. Oh, my God. Let's just import them into Photoshop. We'll work on it. And then he's like, I don't know what to do. Merge all. (laughs) And then he was like, DC, here. What you think? Mic drop. (laughs) And they were like, oh, did, did you have any other design? And they were like, yeah, this is all of them. This is all of them merged into one. And they were like, oh, my God, we never thought of using the merge all tab. Oh, my God, this is genius. Done. Sold. New costume. Well, that was a great little theater of the mind. That yes. You just, <laughs> that, that, that you just awesome. gave us, Stephanie. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I got to be honest. <laughs> so that's, that's what I think of that. This, that's people don't understand. Like this is a picture of what happens in Stephanie's head when she sees <laughs> things. She just gives you the exact rundown of how her brain functions after she sees now, things. I know you. And this is why I'm really grateful for the podcast because it's really hard to put these kinds of things into tweets. <laughs> now I know you're a cat person, but that's more dog. 
Yeah. Dogs just sort of, they, they'd be going along, doing another thing. I was like, squirrel! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they go back to what they're doing. That was brilliant. I And I agree wholeheartedly. It sounded like Doug from Up, the Pixar <laughs> yeah. movie. Hmm. Are you my master? My um, master squirrel! <laughs> it's, I love you. <laughs> it's um, one of those things where I, I guarantee you, for whatever my guarantee is all worth, that she probably didn't have leggings and sleeves, and they got added in after to go with it. <laughs> that those are probably exposed, and it was no. We got to cover up a little bit because it's just a little, little too much. And shoulder pads, giant W's <laughs> of gold and whatever, and the these Wolverine blades and and all the rest oh, of yeah. it. Oh yeah, and then the the flaps too. The, the, like, yeah, well, it's sort of a skirt, except no, it's a cod piece but longer. And I <laughs> let's give her a loincloth. Yeah, because why not? It, it's. <laughs> I'm appreciative of the coverage. Yes. Which is great. Um, I, I think the J. Michael Straczynski era coverage was better. Just so yes. you know, that looked more like what I would want to see if you're going to go that route as opposed to the Adrian Palicki TV version mm-hmm. with the latex sucker pants from Spencer Gifts. <laughs> this, is, this is better at some levels. The boots, I think, are... Hideous, though. I'm, I'm looking at the cover of Amazon One from Malcolm Comics, mm-hmm. with the, the Dave Cockrum Storm Boots, uh, sort of. I think they're there for the people who want to see sexier poses, and Mr. Finch will certainly oblige, knowing what he's done before, for whatever that's all worth. The problem with it being warrior woman blades and armor and all the rest of it, it, it flies in the face of what she's kind of supposed to be about or had been historically through then. I mean, I, there's a quote I've used on our uh, Wonder Woman show that we did for the Misfits, where it's from Wonder Woman 25, where Diana is describing to this Hollywood producer lady about what the Amazons are about. We have a saying, my people, don't kill if you can wound, don't wound if you can subdue, don't subdue if you can pacify, and don't raise your hand at all until you first extended it. A character covered in armor with giant blades sticking out of the back of her wrist kind of doesn't embody that philosophy. No. Yeah, I mean, the blades are the part to me that, that just feel strange to me. You know, I, I think that there is some good ideas behind it, and um, but I think it's... Sure, if she was Ezio Auditorium. Yeah, yeah, the, not the blades. The blades are not a good <laughs> yeah. idea. I'm talking about the rest of the costume. But, uh, you know, it, it feels to me, there's that phrasing, you know, a phrase, you know, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. Yes, exactly. And, you know, Stephanie, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I have like an, the opposite idea, which is I feel like it was like too many people in one room coming up with like everything that was going to be on this costume yeah. and they didn't want to get rid of any of it. And so they just put it all into one place. Um, but... Uh, I think, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to honestly, like, I, you know, it's one of those things where like, I'm not going to be reading David Finch's Wonder Woman book. So yeah. I don't know what this is going to entail. Um, it feels like a way to me to artist proof the character in, in some ways, mm-hmm. like try to make her look objectified now this covered up, you know, that that's what it almost feels like to me. Like they're saying like, okay, we know what Finch kind of does. So let's try to do the best we can to kind of take those toys away from him uh for lack of a better term for a while uh, so i i think that's that, that's a lot of it what it is to me um, i think it looks kind of clunky you know um and, and of course there are ways that are artists like cliff chang drew her for three years and she never looked objectified right. once in the, in the regular outfit in the regular yeah. outfit so there are ways you can do it but i feel like this is like 
look, we we get it, guys. We we we're with you. We know the artist that we have doing it isn't really going to do that. Yeah. So let's just throw as much clothes on her as possible, and hopefully that will. Yeah mitigate any of these problems that we have there are some i feel like there are some cool things about it when i first looked at it it looked looked like she was like they put her in like captain america's outfit that's about what i was just gonna say you know like that's what it looked like for a second um but you're right it looks to me like kind of like a variation of her regular costume but then they put like a a long sleeve shirt underneath it it's her under armor yeah yeah exactly (laughs) i don't know um steve what was your, your reaction to it Honestly, I, I'm really not that bothered by it uh, for a number of reasons. I don't read Wonder Woman. So, yeah. you know, if she's if, if I see her in Justice League, which I, I love, mm-hmm. and she happens to be wearing something else, all right, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, as far as, like, the functionality of it and stuff like that, I don't understand. Uh, everybody's making their own thing. I'm calling them Baraka Blades because mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. check that guy yeah. out. It's right there. Um I, we've seen her use a sword and shield, so perhaps they're trying to angle like she doesn't need to hold the sword because you know these blades are retractable and she can just pull out one of these and you know pull a Wolverine and I just it looks like Steve Rogers cross dresses on the weekend and she <laughs> you know moved universes and broke into his house and found like that you know hidden panel in his closet that just slides to the side and it's a bunch of like Justin Bieber stuff and it's a very complicated scenario you're drawing. <laughs> Stephanie was going on and on before about Photoshop no, I'm stuff. I'm joking, dude. No, you're I'm not. Joking. Have, no, a you're sense not. Of, have a sense of humor. Never. <laughs> never. Never have a sense of humor. When I make fun this of Stephanie, she laughs. She goes, <laughs> This is serious Chill. stuff, Bobby. Yeah. No, I don't take Bobby seriously. No. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, I, blah, blah. I don't know. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff to be wearing. At first, I thought she looked like somebody from like she's participating on American Gladiators, mm-hmm. but then I remember yeah. that all they really wear is the like the unitard mm-hmm. thing. So that went out the window. Um, it's very busy. Like I said, I don't understand the blades is what's bothering me about it the uh, the most out of everything. I like the placement of the star on the side. Um, I don't particularly care for what she's wearing now. So it's kind of the situation where anything else is more interesting at this point. Um, but again, I'm not, unfortunately state of things. I'm not interested in her character all that much outside of sensation or justice league. So them changing her costume isn't going to affect me personally, uh, in terms of like what I'm reading and whether Mm -hmm. or not I'm enjoying the character. Um, when I think of wonder woman, it's not going to be her wearing that. You know, right. and they're going to change the 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 costume again down the road anyway. Probably to something that's going to look more like her old stuff. You know, uh, like just you know, hey, look, it's back to you know what yeah. it kind of used to be, mm-hmm. and everybody will rejoice, and that's the game, and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you know, if there if DC is at least trying to do things in the face of like the criticism that they've received for the, the past years or so, several months, whatever it'd be the ongoing stuff of like, you need to cover them up. You need to cover them up. At least they're making an attempt to meet people. Maybe they overdid it. Maybe they overcompensated. Mm -hmm. I would much rather them overcompensate Mm -hmm. than just not try to make a change and not try to listen Mm -hmm. and not, you know, uh, hear the fan base and try to at least meet them somewhere for the people that are buying the book that really love the character but don't like the way she's being portrayed. Okay, this is what we came up with. We hope you like it. Maybe it's not fantastic, 
but at least it shows that they're listening and are willing to make a change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if we can maybe meet somewhere in the middle, that would be that would be the, the perfect costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe we need this costume to get to the better one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just you know, uh, what was Chris Anka? Right. That's the guy. Who, yes. That's the guy who did Spider Woman and does a bunch of those things. Just let him do it because he's really <laughs> Paul Jamie McKelvey. Yeah, they're really yeah. really good at it. So despite it, what actually, Eric Larson have you seen- says. I just sent you guys the link to yeah, um, a costume by a guy named uh, Raza. So it's R-A-H-Z-Z-A-H. Um, and he does a Wonder yes. Woman redesign that's perfect. Like, it's perfect. I love the haircut. It has some yeah. of the elements in this new one, but done in a much, mm. much nicer way. Yeah. And, like, I really like the way that it blends, like, the costume kind of from the Straczynski era. And then it still has her you know, lasso, it has gauntlets, it has the red and the blue, Mm -hmm. um, but it's way more respectful of, like, who Wonder Woman is as a warrior. Um, You know, like, it's a battlefield Wonder Woman, not necessarily Mm. everyday Wonder Woman, but, like, uh, I should look it up. like two things to me. One, she looks like she just walked off of uh, Soul Calibur. (laughs) And two... That she's been trading fashion tips with uh, Brienne of Tar from yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, this this image that you sent, this is a really cool thing. I would love, I would have been 100% with this. I like the boots, too. They got kind of these, like, sunburst things going on at the top. Boots and pins and boots and pins and boots and pins and boots. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. Nicely done. Yeah. yeah. What and do we I think about the other costume changes i hate it i hate no well oh superman yeah yeah superman's the green lantern and flash ones look almost exactly identical they have like slight tweaks to it i I didn't even see those like the ollie has he's looking he's getting the beard a little bit back i like that the flash looks like the flash a couple more like lightning bolty like seams or whatever on him um we don't know we have no idea what that batman image is like crazy out of contact robot bat bunny um Uh, I don't think it's Bruce. Let's just put it out there. We, we can theorize all we want about Batman. We, I think we should do that at some point, but I don't think that's Bruce. Superman should not be wearing jeans, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I just... It's like Superboy. That's what yeah. I... Yeah, exactly. And this is one of the things, like, I, I don't want to go, like, too crazy about it because we don't have the context for what this image is. Maybe it is, you know, uh, Connell or it, it's... It's, you know, someone like that. Maybe, maybe they're doing something different after Convergence because we don't know. But to me... Like Superman, first of all, it's not a costume. He's wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Like that's not a costume, okay? That's just what people wear. That's, yeah. that's going out clothes. Uh, and there's part of what, what the post-convergence thing is. Maybe Clark Kent's identity is going to be out in the open. There's going to be no separation. But I don't think it was really the pants that were like making people fooled about like who Clark was and who Superman <laughs> yeah. was. That's a weird thing to me. Um, I he just only wears dress pants at the Daily Planet. <laughs> yeah. Who's this guy in jeans? Yeah. I, I think that Superman should inspire awe in, in, with his costume and with his actions and the way he looks. And, I mean, he's still hella muscly, but other than that, it's not like... I, I want to see some majesty to him. The point is that he's wearing the clothes of his home world and all those, those yeah. kind of things. And um, that's personally what I, I, I love about the, uh, you know, um, the iconography of Superman. Um, and so when I see him in t-shirt and jeans... Not only do I not think it's what I want to see for Superman, it's also like uninspired 
costume design. Yeah, it's lazy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like it makes sense a little bit in like that, the like the Morrison action comic stuff because that's when he's first becoming he's right. Superman. He doesn't have his whatever yet, you know. But this, I don't think it's going to be. That's going to be him sp- being Superman. And I, uh, why can't you wear a costume? They took away our red trunks. Why do they have to take exactly. away all our tights? It is cool that the, the S on the chest is like the very old school, like yeah. original it's, it's, Superman. It's the original shoes to Superman. That's yeah. cool, but uh, you know, I just I wish the other stuff was going on there. Yeah. That costume bothers me. I hate it. I have very passionate feelings. I never use that word on the show. I hate that, that costume. costume. <laughs> I really do. It reminds me of like downtown Port Jeff. Just every every asshole leaving Napper Tandy's. The haircut is awful. It just it's it it carries a uh, a negative air of people that I've met in the past for me, and I just it automatically turns me off. And I also what you said doesn't really remind. It doesn't strike me as a costume. It's just clothes. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, it's just clothes. Yeah. yeah, not. I mean, even with not knowing what yeah. direction they're taking it, I just I just don't care. If it's Superboy, then I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, does anybody else feel passionate about this enough to talk about it? Nah, <laughs> okay. no, that's <laughs> grumble, grumble, um, grumble. Some cool stuff we heard about just like quickly. Uh, they've kind of announced that post convergence detective comics will be going more detective. Renee Montoya is coming yeah. back, yeah, uh, and she's going to be a lead in that book, which I think is pretty awesome, as well as Kate Spencer. Um, so they're going to be doing the lead in detective comics. Uh, Kyle Rayner may be dying in the books. Um, there's gonna. Uh, I'm just reading of some CBR stuff here. Um, that's where I found out that Damien is gonna be in Gotham Academy, which is pretty awesome. The cover image they put out is is quite cool. Um, they've talked. To, uh, um, Jeff Johns has talked a bunch about Justice League and how he's going to be basically using Justice League as a single book to be kind of these big, huge, universe-spanning stories. That that's what they're gonna use to do them and not events yeah. in themselves are going to do them inside Justice League and, and stuff like that, which I thought w- 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 was pretty cool. Um, Bobby, do you have any other... Sure, well, it, it's great that Gotham Academy, Batgirl, and Sensation are mm-hmm. going past Convergence. There's an interesting quote from um, Dan Dedeo, is how we pronounce his name now? Okay. Is that how we... I know he's changed <laughs> it up a couple of times. If you get yourself into a grind with event after event, sooner or later... You're going to be only artificial, artificially propping up the sales. Uh, I thank you, thank you. I am so stunned that he's the guy who said that, and not well, Stephanie or I. That this is just thrilling. Yeah. This is such a an amazing turn of events that mm-hmm. they're talking about it being about characters and not this other stuff. And now John's saying the same mm-hmm. sort of thing, We're amplifying off this quote. I'll believe it when I see it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I like that vibe of things. Mm -hmm. If that's what he's really going to do, maybe it's only for a year, but a year without all this silliness. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can actually try some of these books and not worry about having to try seven others. Mm -hmm. That's me. I like grazing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Grazing is good. Uh, And I I feel like, and they, uh, one of the quotes are from Palmiati where, you know, they're saying that, Harley Quinn's success has changed a lot of the face of what the company mm-hmm. is willing to do. And he says, you know, if it was a dud, you know, that wouldn't have mattered. But now that it's been so successful, 
humor is becoming a very important thing now again to yeah, DC. We've got Batmite coming out and Bizarro. Yeah, and, yeah. exactly. Um, really exciting stuff. I was talking something on Twitter yesterday about it, though. But for the first time, I think in a long time, I'm much more excited about the future of what DC is bringing than what the future of, yes. of, of Marvel is bringing around. And um, spoilers, it's more events. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll have to see what happens with everything. But yeah, they're 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 saying the right things now. Um, more stuff. You obviously, um, it's so funny too because for this week, so that DC has been saying about diversity and, and all that stuff, and Jim Lee being kind of the 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 the, the forward face of it, mm-hmm. talking about it. And we're not going to talk about him because he doesn't deserve to be talked about. But the difference between him and Eric Larson is like it, it's it's like it's it's, it's a crazy canyon gulf. You yes. know, um, and it's just very funny to me to see those two guys who were so closely tied for so long be so far apart in, in the stuff they were saying. Uh, Going back to DC stuff, too. I mean, the move is happening now and yes. their PR person is gonna, is someone new. So, like, I'm really interested to really? see how. Yeah, it's no longer uh, Pamela Mullen. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested to see how um, this new person handles it, if it's going to be sort of the same you know, situation. Uh, let's spoil the book a week before, just so Bleeding Cool doesn't do it. Like, duh. Or let what? us not let any of our creators talk to anyone. Yeah, yes. I'm interested yeah. to see how, if it's going to be the same thing, like this person's just been trained to be a replacement Pamela, or if it's, you know. The replacement, the pod Pamela. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she didn't, I mean, because everyone's moving, right? Like, and that's yeah. a big move, yeah. you know, not everyone is wanting to go to. Yeah, going from New York uh, to California. Burbank. Yeah. Um, some people are just New York people mm. and um, it's going to be interesting to see, especially not just with the PR, but in general, because there's a lot of people that aren't making the move. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the changes will be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, th- you know, this is like very inside baseball, but there is a reason why like, you know, like uh, Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher and, Scott Snyder and like one or two, one or two other DC creators are like the only ones you ever see on any podcast yeah. or, or interview ever is because they just don't listen to the PR people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh well, we're not we're not supposed to talk to strangers. Yeah. And Mom said not to get in the van with the person offering yeah. you candy. <laughs> well, we had a great uh, it's like hmm. they don't own you. You're freelancers. Yeah. Do Jimmy. what's right for you as a freelancer. And that's not just like me being snarky. And if you're actually looking to be a creator uh, and you want to work for one of the big two, seriously, that's something to remember. They mm. don't own you. Yeah. Unless they're paying you money to have an exclusive, you know, like you're still always a freelancer and you need to do what's best for you to promote you. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you're your own brand. Your name is your brand. And DC, Marvel, whoever doesn't own that. Yeah. Uh, Joey Esposito wrote a really great article about something very similar about kind of artistic integrity and, and holding on to what's yours and knowing when to walk mm-hmm. away, when it's better to walk away than to, to keep going with someone. Yeah. yeah. Just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Bob, what books are you excited for this week? I'm since Stephanie stole some of my books. I'm going to say <laughs> Squirrel Girl number three is, I think, what I'm most excited about. Cer- certainly hoping to <laughs> hoping to see some Galactus going on there. She was heading off to the moon in her Iron Man armor, as was her pet squirrel. With tippy. Yeah, it's just <laughs> insane. 
Uh, Storm number nine is this week, which I've just really enjoyed the heck out of. And of course, there's a Sensation Comics, even though I'm 17 issues behind, <laughs> according to the digital maven over there. That's well, it for me, you, I think. <laughs> not Lumberjanes? I have now resorted to trade waiting. So uh, I'm a couple back on that. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Hmm. Steve, what are you excited for? Uh, there's this book coming out called Giant Days, number one that um, I'd ordered through previews that I'm looking forward to uh, checking out. Uh, Red One, which Bob had uh, assigned for our shared book of the week that's on my list. Uh, Chrononauts from Mark Millar and uh, Sean Murphy is hitting. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, Batgirl 40 and Endgame both come out. Uh, Outcast is returning. Um, Number seven is coming out. Really enjoying the hell out of that. Um, Alex and Ada 13, 15's the last one, so we're getting to the end. And Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number three, of course. Those yeah. are my highlights. Um, yeah, uh, Batgirl Endgame has the uh, Bengal art in it. Yeah. So yeah. Looks, uh, looks pretty good. Um, definitely, definitely excited about that. Um, eight, number two comes out, Stephanie. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see if it keeps up. Um, that awesome kind of tone. Yeah, me too. Uh, anything else you're excited about? Stuff? Yeah, Orphan Black 2 comes out. Um, Invisible Republic, which is by Gabriel Hardman and uh, Karina Becco. Mm-hmm. I interviewed Karina Becco a few weeks ago. Um, and like for me personally, I'm interested in seeing um, how this book turns out because they based a lot of uh, the world they created on Malta when we were there. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see... Mm the influence um, that they took from the cities. Um, but it's supposed to be a really good book. Have you guys heard about it yet? I, I mean, I've seen like cover art and I've seen the yeah. preview for it. But Like the the tagline here to kind of hook you is Breaking Bad meets Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, so like it's Arthur McBride's planetary regime has fallen. His story is over. Um, that is until reporter Kroger Bab discovers the journal of Arthur's cousin Maya. Inside is the violent, audacious, hidden history of legendary freedom fighter. Erased from the official record, Maya alone knows how dangerous her cousin really is. So, it's supposed to be, like, sci-fi. And uh, Karina did Planet of the Apes and a bunch of Star Wars stuff. And um, Gabriel's amazing. So, I'm super, super excited to see um, that book. And I think it's not necessarily on a ton of people's radar, but... It should be. So that's something I'm excited for. Um, <sighs> let's see. I'm trying to think of other things. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited for Silk number two comes out oh, this week. Yeah. <laughs> really excited to see that. Um, that Valiant book I talked about, Divinity number two comes out this week, which I'm, I'm pumped to check that out as well. Um, I was already excited to read Red One. So it's cool that, that uh, we're, we're going to do that as a book of the week. Uh, Chrononauts as well. Um, Sean Murphy is the art. The, the art is really what's drawing me to it. I mean, yeah, I like Mark, Mark Miller, but I mean, it, the art is really what's it's it's. I can't wait to see what it looks like. Did you see the Back to the Future variant cover? I did not. No, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Well, the book called Chrononauts, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. So some some cool books uh, coming out this week. Uh, I mean, Logi, Lo, Logi, Loki, Agent of Asgard. Uh, I, I I'm always up for that book. Magneto. As well, very cool. Um, 
A little bit of news just so people know. Oh, that have you seen the, the Storm number nine cover is amazing. Oh, I haven't seen that's, it. That's uh, Stephanie Hunt. Yeah, it's freaking, oh, it's yep. freaking amazing. That's uh, part of our covers of the week. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and uh, I want to say Princess Leia number two is coming out, but it was just quickly, it was announced John Cassidy is leaving Star Wars after number five or number six or something like that, which shouldn't be surprising to anybody. But mm-hmm. Jason Aaron has said he's on for the long haul. Like he's got a lot of stories to tell. So just so people know that their whole team isn't leaving them or something like that. They replaced him with somebody really cool. Oh, who did they replace him with? Uh, Stuart Eminem. Oh, I didn't see oh. that. Yep. That's great. I love Stuart Eminem. Um, all right. So that's the books we're excited for. Um, make sure you guys, if you want to talk us about red one next week, uh, mm-hmm. hashtag TCBOTW. Um, if you want to get in touch with us at all at talking comics on Twitter, facebook.com slash talking comics and email us at podcast at talking You can go right to talkingcomicbooks.com for all the great reviews, articles, and our bevy of podcasts talking valiant, Adam Shaw <laughs> talking movies with Brian Verderosa and Nick Scalia. They just did a review of Chappie. Um, oh, I want to see that. The new Neil Blomkamp yeah. uh, joint. Uh, we have the Misfits, of course. Stephanie Cook, uh, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood. Uh, Stephanie, what was uh, what was uh, the topic this week? <laughs> well, Mara left. Um, she had some things to do, and we were supposed to talk about Battlestar Galactica, but we wound up talking about our favorite comedies with female leads. Okay. Oh. And then we talked about Dragon Age a lot because Melissa's currently playing Dragon Age. So we were like, oh, let's talk about Broad City. This is so great. Oh, my God. Cassandra. <laughs> what? Am I right? Like, who are you trying to romance? Her? Blackwall? Like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, right. Broad City. So, um, sure. So there was a topic. Did you watch The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yes. That is my <laughs> recommendation. I, I love that show very, very much. I, I loved, I won't spoil it, but I loved the reveal of who the Reverend was. Yes. Um, I, and I loved um, the lawyer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. The lawyer stuff was great. That hair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I um, so had, uh, the, the theme song is ridiculously catchy. Oh, yep. my God, I know. And there's like, I sent Steve the link to it, but online, if you're like, I wish this theme song was longer. Guess what it is? <laughs> it's like three minutes long, guys, and it's on the YouTubes. Um, but that one line where he goes, "But the females are strong mm-hmm. as hell." Yeah, I yeah. was, it was in my, I was like randomly singing it every day, <laughs> at least once or twice. Everyone, like I hear, um, my friend Ashley would come over last week, and randomly we'd be watching something else entirely, and then she'd just go, "Unbreakable." <laughs> and, Everywhere for like this whole week, anytime I went out, I heard somebody go, Unbreakable. Like, <laughs> everyone is watching it. So, and actually, my friend doesn't even have Netflix. I don't even know how she managed this. It's a but, mystery. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a, total, it's a mystery. It's a total mystery. Unbreakable. <laughs> I'm uh, halfway through season three of Parks and Rec at this point. Nice. Yep. I thought you were about to say I'm halfway through season three of The Unbreakable Kimmy Oh, Schmidt. I wish. <laughs> yeah. I've got it all. <laughs> No, I watched all of season one of Kimmy, and it was amazing. Um, you're in the glorious right now of Adam Scott and uh, yeah, Rob Lowe. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, they really dangle the relationship stuff on you in that show. But because I'm binge watching it, I mean, I watched season two is 24 episodes. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I watched the first season. Everybody's like, don't do that. I'm like, yeah. well, it's too late. I yeah. already did it. Um, but, oh, man, like characters that I... Not that I couldn't stand them, but just was not warmed up to them mm-hmm. at all. Have now, you know, there's something redeeming about everyone. 
and some some characters in particular I'm really falling in love with and others I'm kind of falling out of love with. So it's I, I at this right now I can't stand Andy and he's one of my What? F- I know. I know. I know. You get, get, out. get out of here. You're no, you're listen, 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 listen. You don't listen. say a bad word about Chris Pratt. I know. Listen, I love K- Hey, come on. You asked me on the Patreon podcast like who I wanted to be and I was like I want to be Chris Pratt. I love his character to death. I just when uh, when Ben's trying to kind of teach him and April how to be adults, oh, I love that episode. He's so stupid. He is stupid. That's the whole thing. Oh, I love that episode. Yeah. I'm he, like the most apt comparison I've ever seen is um, like April Ludgate is if a cat came to life, <laughs> and he's like if a puppy came to life. You and, well, I mean, not came to life, they are alive, <laughs> yeah. but you know, like you know, became, became human. human. Yes, became human. Um, and it's like, if a cat and a dog got married, this is what they would look like. Yeah. Mm. She's uh, the voice of Grumpy Cat in that like crappy Lifetime movie. <laughs> um, no, but I love, I, at this point, I love the show. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, like I said, I'm yo-yoing with certain characters where like I couldn't stand Tom mm-hmm. for forever. Mark is gone, thank God. <laughs> Never liked him at all. He was such a scumbag. And it's like, will they or won't they? I don't care. Get him out of here. Um, but... I'm really Donna cracks me up. Donna's great. She's not used all that often at this point, but when she's in there, she's hysterical. She gets used a lot more as the seasons go on. Too. All right, because yeah. she's got so far, she's kind of like a she's starting to weave her way in. Yeah. But for a while, she was a one-liner character, and it was gold mm-hmm. every time. Um, I'm falling in love with Leslie. Leslie's great. She, I really like the. They like the the emotional stuff that they're throwing into the show that you don't expect it. I'll give one example because there are many, but one is I just hit the episode where Ron's like freaking out because his birthday is coming and yeah, yeah. he's anticipating this giant bash and he's like you know, he won't walk through doors because yeah. he thinks there's a party on the other end, and she surprises him. Spoiler yeah. with like a really like a, like a a perfect night for him of a steak dinner from a, a he, she, like she hired the chefs from the restaurant that closed down. He was devastated by it. They made him his favorite steak. She put on his favorite movie and poured him whiskey. Mm. And like the moments where he steps up for her or when Ben asks for the cops to come and watch the festival mm. and the guy behind the commissioner or whatever mm. is like, Leslie gets whatever she wants. And yeah. he's like, really? Why? He's like, because she's the one person in here that when you do her a favor, she does 10 for you in return. Mm-hmm. And those emotional beats of the show are really started to endear me to the characters and tie me into the show. And now I'm, I'm all for it, man. There are a couple episodes where it's like full tears, just like pouring down your face. I'm really looking forward as, to it. I, I can't, I can't stop. I'm actually painting, um, DIY Funkos right now for my mom, for her, a late birthday gift. And um, so I've been sitting at my computer desk, like binging mm-hmm. Parks and Rec and, and painting these Funko mm-hmm. figures. Yeah. So it's been a really cool journey. I still have one more left to do. So mm. it's uh, it's been fun. I like it. It's a great show. And I still love Andy, even though he's on my nerves right now. I still <laughs> love him. Don't worry. He's just, he, was, he was what kept me watching the show that first season mm. was his stuff. When he was living in the pit, mm-hmm. I was, it was hysterical. <laughs> 
Uh, Ron is my favorite character probably on the show. He's so great. Um, uh, We also, of course, have, uh, other than talking parks and recreation, which we're just doing, (laughs) uh, we have uh, talking games. Uh, Steve Say, Justin Townsend, Jackie Turner, and Rob Neumeyer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Steve, you're stepping out this week. Yeah, it's going to be Jackie, Justin, and Rob. Um, For those interested, if you follow us on Twitter. Are you? Yeah. Oh, cool. (laughs) Um, I am actually going... Out with our friend Lauren Colleagues tomorrow morning after the comic shop. We are going into the MoMA uh, to see the Bjork installation and then going to Tea and Sympathy for dinner. And then later on that evening, going to the King Center to go and see her live. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I've seen her twice before. She is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I can't wait to see what she brings. Like I said, I've only listened to the new album a few times because knowing that I would see it live, I just, I've been waiting. So I'm, I'm, what's up? No, I was, uh, my friend did my hair last week and, you know, they always have like magazines in the salon mm-hmm. and they had a, you know, a nylon magazine with Anna Kendrick on the cover. And I was like, I don't know, typically read magazines, but I love Anna Kendrick. And I was opening up and then, you know, all the fashion stuff was inside and there's like this whole spread and it's like, like stuff that they're like, this is in style. And it's, it looks like every single cover from a Bjork album. Mm-hmm. And I was like. <laughs> This isn't a style. The only person that gets away with this is Bjork. And you don't look at Bjork and say, man, I wish I could wear that. Nobody <laughs> wants to wish they could wear what Bjork is wearing. They just appreciate that it's Bjork and that's that. Yeah. Like, I was like, no, Nyla, no. <laughs> yeah, her you know, shows, uh, her live presentation cool, but is But nobody looked huge. at that swan dress and was like, damn, <laughs> I need that. You know, like, no one. <laughs> Um, Just, but that's really cool. Yeah. You're going to see Bjork. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. um, yeah. yeah. As I was, yeah. as I was saying really quick, um, if you guys are not following us on Twitter, uh, you might want to, we've been doing a couple of giveaways these past couple of weeks. Uh, this week's giveaway is actually a, uh, Nintendo DS game, new 3DS game called, uh, Codename Steam that, uh, if you follow us and retweet that particular tweet, your name will be entered in a drawing for a physical copy of that game. And um, the at show's talking underscore yeah, games. Yeah, talking. Yeah. Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the show. The show's been. I mean, it's always been good, but we're actually this week. I believe the nineteenth is our one year mm. anniversary of the show. So we've been doing this for a year now. And um, you know, if you were hesitant at all to go and check it out, um, the show's really cooking now. Like we've really crafted the personalities and and are starting to get a little bit more focused and a little bit more uh on the mark with the show's content and uh it's been a lot of fun so check it out there's some uh big nintendo news that happened today yeah nintendo partnered with don't give away the farm dude they gotta listen to talking games all right all right story tomorrow nintendo's going into waters that they have yet to tread and it is potentially extraordinarily exciting yeah um by the way, this just broke too, Bobby, and I know you're a fan of this movie, and I think actually uh, all of you are, but uh, Let the Right One In is being made into a TV show. Oh, cool. That is very cool. Mm. Yeah, A&E. Interesting. I've still only seen, was it the Swedish one? That's the original one. Yeah, yeah right I've only one. seen the original. I have yeah. not That's seen let the, the right, one yet. Like, let the Right One In. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but, but both versions are... Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that the, some people have even said that the, uh, the Americanized version is better. I don't think the no. American's better, but I think that... Uh, it, it, to me, it's that almost as good. Uh, and I loved Let the Right One. It was my favorite movie of the year when the year it came out. Mm-hmm. And I loved Let Me In. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and who knew the guy who could do Cloverfield? Yeah, could do Let it's Me a good In. Good fucking director. That that plan of the movie he just made was awesome. Um, really, the dawn of yeah, it's, uh, great. Um, by the way, I saw Lucy and loved it. 
You liked it. Yeah. yeah. I thought it had some holes in the plot. Uh, well, but, yeah. Yeah. Some? But it <laughs> one day this podcast will end. <laughs> but it went to a place you didn't expect. <laughs> Absolutely so. There you go. Yeah. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I was not letting a Lucy conversation begin. <laughs> Okay. Personal Twitters. Yeah, no, first Bob he has a goodbye. Oh yes. Yes. Uh Erwin Hazen passed away at age ninety-six. Mm-hmm. He was the last remaining DC artist from the golden age of comics back in the World War II era. He with Bill Finger co-created Wildcat, drew Green Lantern, uh, Justice Society chapters, so on and so forth, was still a convention participant just like last year. Uh met him once some years back at a big Apple show, just a charming, charming gentleman filled with stories and will be missed yeah absolutely and uh, our hearts also go out to the friends and family of norman lee who yes. has disappeared and presumed uh dead at this point so i uh, just want to reach say that to out there as well um mm. so yeah i mean it's 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 really sad it's really sad stuff um and uh it's always a weird to end the shows this way because it's tough to go from this being like you can follow me on twitter at bobby shortle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I will quickly say too, uh, in better news, um, the person that we initially uh, contacted to say, congratulations, you won this sign number one of all new Hawkeye, um, did not give us his information. So we will be drawing a new winner right. um, for that. And actually here, we'll do it right now. <laughs> see if anyone interesting. Steve. Ah, I think I know this person. Oh, you, you, will get can't in touch, get, you but can't, you can't give it to someone you know. No, I did a random thing. Uh, there's a there's a website called uh, Draw Random Followers oh, okay. from the Retweet, but like I I've just seen him interact with us. Uh, ah. Ricardo Guardo. <laughs> oh, I know that. Curse seventy seven eighty one. We will send you a tweet, and um, if you get back awesome. to us in a reasonable amount of time, the issue is yours. All right. Congratulations. Congratulations. Huzzah. Um, what are we going to do, like, fifth caller? <laughs> Something from my ear, right? I understand what just went on. I used to win contests all the time. I was good at that shit. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bobby Shortle, Steve. <laughs> Mine is at dead underscore anchors. Stephanie. Uh, I'm at Hello Cookie. And Bob, your email I'm address. I'm still at Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right, that is it for the Talking Comics podcast. No, it isn't. For this wait, wait. week. Yes, it is. It's over. <laughs> For Steve. Forever. Bob. Oh, good night. And Stephanie. La, 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 more talking. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. To be continued. Never. Continued. Continued.